Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right then, episode 24 of the Midnight Pod. Fuck me. That's nearly half to 52, which is obviously a year every single week. We've got, I think, the first ever Matt on the pod that isn't me, um, Matt Burgess from MB Customs, obviously based on the name. So you said before, we were speaking for like a fucking hour nearly, maybe about an hour before we start recording, which is why this is a late one. Um, you found me in like December and yeah. I found you in December as well, I suppose. And I was yeah. looking at your shit and like, this is pretty cool. Um, obviously custom shoe brand mm-hmm. from up north as well. So I'm, I'm pretty fucking biased to people yeah. up north not been corrupted by the south like me yet but um first question like always who are you what do you do and we can dive into your story and yeah. loads of things off the back of that and i think it'd be an interesting one right okay so uh yeah matt obviously from matt b customs yeah um yeah where do i start really so initially kind of well from manchester from salford living in worsley um and then yeah just where do i start do you want me to go right from the very start yeah, I mean, like, wait, how old are you now? 24. 24, yeah. I mean, like, I guess go back to school, like, and then where it started right, to okay. an extent. Like, yeah, yeah, so. A bit of context, then we're getting to, like, yeah. the actual business. I'd say I'm probably the the least educated person you've got on the podcast, because at high school, I did not do very well at all. Yeah. Um, finished, obviously, got, got GCSEs, but uh, failed maths. Um, and, yeah, just, just, I, I used it more as a social, really, high school. And, obviously... That was like at the, at the point where you're still quite young mentally. I had like parents that were like fully supportive, like always tried to like, I had tutors and stuff. They fully like tried to help and stuff. But I just think fundamentally, I think I've got like attention deficit. Like now I've come to get a bit older. Yeah. TikTok has taught me that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I feel the same. And and yeah, I just think it just didn't, just didn't gel with me. Started, we, we did a hundred minute lessons at school. Like, so we did like three lessons of a hundred minutes. And, oh really? Yeah. And weird. yeah, it's just, I think my school was a bit shit as well. I'm not going to lie. Like it's now been taken over by the co-op, you know, the cooperative. Oh really? Because it got such bad like um, <laughs> Ofsted rules that they've, they've had to take it over. So yeah. that tells you a little bit into like what sort of school it was. But, yeah, legit. Um, but I think, yeah so basically like going back to high school didn't do very well um always throughout high school loved like PE anything physical but I really love graphic design so came from like a really like creative background my dad's a creative he works as like a creative um, engineer so he d- mm. builds like uh, turbochargers for cars that's like his job um and he's very creative but quite analytic analytical um so yeah loved loved uh, graphic design um did well in that so I, I had a lot of confidence in it uh, wanted to do that at college and because in my area you, you go to a separate sixth form yeah um and couldn't get on my course wanted to do a, a level three b-tech couldn't even get on a level three b-tech so B-tech, they basically classic. said like because you've not done any art 
an art because you've not done any in any uh, GCSEs in art you can either choose art or IT and I was like I'm not I'm not really an IT guy I'll do art so mm-hmm. I had to do a, a, for a year I had to do level one BTech in level two sorry BTech in art um, but that also created my B customs like in that year it's basically just a year of like some people want to be there some people are just doing it just to go to college yeah. but fundamentally you, you're just testing loads of different styles of creativity so we're doing print digital and and it was literally like if for me i was like fully committed because at that point my head had just gone because the whole time i just thought i'm fine like i'm all right i'll i'll swerve through gccs i'll get decent grades mm. and i just didn't and then obviously from this it kind of like changed my whole trajectory my mindset changed so much in that year um that i was just trying stuff and I'd, i've always been entrepreneurial like always been but i think that year really like tuned me in um and then yeah obviously after that got into my um year my, my graphic design course loved that and then did it at uni so then went to moved to sheffield for three years and did it at uni um but in that first year at college when i was 17 that's when i started might be customs and i've never stopped ever since been hard at it never i've not taken other than when i've gone on holiday that's when i've taken time off but yeah. and maybe the, like around christmas and stuff but yeah n- not stopped tunnel vision on that i've tried to make other companies alongside it but i just find that i work better when i've just got one project just in front of me and i yeah. just go ham at it um but yeah like i say i've, I've always been entrepreneurial like I, when i look back at it now because i Obviously, as you get older, you get a bit more introspective. Like, why was I like this? Like, why mm. did I kind of, why, why was I like that at high school? Why did I kind of set myself back a year? Um, but I, what I've realised is any passion that I had, I've made a business around it, like within it. So, um, like going like way, way back, obviously, the, the classic thing is, oh, I sold sweets at school, but I like genuinely yeah, yeah. did sell sweets at school. Um, and like at Wharton, where, where I went to high school, you got in isolation and you got in quite a lot of shit. So you had like two warnings and at the third you could get kicked out of school. Um, and my mum and dad knew that, but basically what they said is if you create a P&L, like, and, and we'll give you the Costco card as well. So there was a, basically at Costco, you could get like a galaxy cookie crumble and shit, you know, like yeah, yeah. when people are bringing in like Kit Kat chunkies, I was coming in with like that's, decent that's stuff. Rare, yeah. Well, they basically said like, if you do a PNL, like we'll allow you to get isolation. So we'll allow you to get that first mark. And I went to a big high school. So there was a lot of people to sell to. And yeah, just literally yeah. that was my first like inkling at just like, yeah, lo- utilizing a bit of money that I had to make a little bit more. And it wasn't, I told you, it wasn't a lot of money, but it's, understanding that meant that business mindset and like yeah. my mum and dad have never been business they've never had businesses they've always been um just like normal nine to five jobs um but they have definitely helped me like bring it out of me i think yeah. they've kind of like lived through me a bit at times mm. yeah so in that first year when you're 17 doing the b-tech what was the business at that point and how did it like physically start? Was it literally you had a pair of shoes yourself? You started drawing on it or what? Yeah, so how I know exactly how it first started. So where I went to like my local area, there was a guy called Dave O'Howarth who was like a Instagram artist and his mum was my primary school teacher. So I, even though when I was in like year seven, he was at year 11 at high school. Mm. So there was quite a big gap between us. But uh, so I knew of him in the local area and he was basically posting uh, canvas art 
and doing it for like Joey Essex and like, you know, yeah. like you kind of like Towie people and a lot of like kind of reality stars. But also he had a website and he was selling prints. And I, I knew that he was living in his own house. I knew he was doing really well. He had this like sneaker wall. Whenever I saw him around, he was dressed in like sick shit. So I looked at him as like, I want to do what he's doing. Mm. And then one, and I was constantly just watching his socials and stuff because he was really good on social media. He was quite innovative back at the time, looking back at it. Um, and then, yeah, one day he was, he took a load of Posca pens on holiday and he was drawing on his Air Max. And I looked at him, I was like, wow, that looks so sick. And that's something that I could fully, fully like get involved in. And obviously I'm already in the mindset of testing all this shit at college. Yeah. Um, so I just got on Google and I quickly found out you can't put Posca, pen, Posca pens on shoes because it just comes off. Like it just mm. doesn't stay. It's not waterproof. It, it's quite, it's not crack resistant. It doesn't stay on. But what I then quickly found is Angela's paint and Angela's paint is initially made for like uh, chairs, handbags, stuff like that. Uh, but it's crack resistant, waterproof. So it stays on. So it's really durable. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, ordered in some of that. There's like a sample kit. Um, and just started painting on my own shoes. And at, at the time I was working at Clark's, that was like my part-time job at the Trafford Centre. Yeah, um, classic, classic. So yeah, so I was, I was working there. I, I was there for like a year and a half and that was like kind of was where, where I was earning my money. But I, I love fashion, always have it like, well not from a young age, but at that point when I started doing my, my own money, I've always dibble dabbled in whatever the latest trend was. And yeah, so I had a few shoes to hand and then I started painting them, wearing them around college. And because I had a big college, was people that come and ask about them. Um, a lot of my friends, like kind of when I posted about it, because I'd worn a few pairs and so, so quickly did people like latch onto them that I just thought straight away, right, well, I'm just going to put them on Instagram and post a few photos of them. But obviously then once like my friends that weren't going to college with me and stuff saw that, they're all like, what the fuck is this? Like yeah. painting on shoes, like a bit West. And, and I can fully understand why to be fair. Cause was, there was a guy doing it called Virginia Ben and he was unreal. Like he's he, like, honestly, bro, he's so fucking sick. And even like, he's, I don't really see much of, of him now, but back in the day, bro, he's fucking, I had a few people that I just, almost obsess over like just watching what they're doing they're obviously a lot older than me um and yeah he was one of like the big dons like doing it um yeah so just started painting on my own shoes people asked started collecting it on instagram and luckily with like the the scene at, at that point there were quite a few like independent sneaker pages on instagram and i used to just hammer them like hammer them with images like tagged hashtags everything get reposts and the, the, the following quickly built um, and people at that point were giving me shoes to rework so I wanted it to be like something where it's like I know we've all not got money at this stage but you can give me those and I'll do something sick on them even if at, at mm. one point it was just me freshing up shoes yeah. so I was just taking anything I could in terms of orders to make some money um, and then basically I got to the stage where I was like everything's used everything's grimy like, let me buy a pair of shoes, let me paint a design on it, and then let me put that on the website, but put it in every single size, and then someone can come on there and order it. Yo, fellas, quick one. First bit of promo for the pod. You may or may not have heard, I released a fucking e-com course a few months ago. Basically spent like six months making it because I was in between businesses, as you probably know, if you follow my shit. I must say, 12 hours long, it's fucking quality content. I was gonna drop it at like 1500 quid with some bullshit guru-y webinar and all that rubbish, but as you know, it's not my main thing. I'm working on a new brand right now, very, very fucking much in the trenches, which is why I think it's actually a better course than everything else out there because it's built on real experience of my brands in the past and my current one. I think it's super, super valuable. If you're interested in e-com, you're already in e-com and you want to get into ecom zero to one starting a brand from scratch then definitely worth investing in link is in the bio of this video or podcast spotify apple music wherever the fuck you're listening or watching and enjoy the rest of the pod 
And obviously now you'd say that's drop shipping, but at the time I just thought it's the yeah. way of me leveraging like different designs. They can mm. be my shoes so I can wear them out. People can ask me about them. They're on the website. There's a brand new sample image on there. Um, and that's how it started really. And then from there, it was more just once people saw one design, I'd try and push them away from that design and say, no, I've got more ideas. And that would obviously build the catalog up. So at the start, it started off as like Adidas superstars were popping mm. and, um, Air Force Ones weren't really that big in my area, to be fair. I think they were big in London, but they weren't big in Manchester. So I didn't touch them for like two years. It was all yeah. Adidas, superstars. It was, um, yeah, just anything that, that people were wanting at the time. There was a lot of like tempos and stuff, not tempos, um, mm. Roche runs and shit yeah. like that. So anyway, so that, that's how it kind of built up. I'd built, I built up a website basically just off loads of dropshipping products and people would then go on and order them. But then I'd also do a custom service where oh, I've got this shoe or oh, I want to do something on here, but I want something to go with an outfit. So that's how, kind of how it looked over college. And then I was doing my three years or my two years, sorry, doing graphic design, level three B-Tech. Um, and I got a good few opportunities within that time. Um, I think it was about, about 10K followers at that point. Mm. Um, and my girlfriend worked at Selfridges in Trafford Centre. And um, she basically just put in a word one day and was like, oh, he's doing this. And then one of the managers about two months later was like, oh, you know, like your boyfriend's doing that. Like, uh, would he do it in here? So yeah. they were like, right, well, I'll pass him on to like the marketing people. So when I was 17, I went and up, upstairs, there's like upstairs rooms in the Trafford Centre that no one really knows about, but they're like offices and pitched like basically I'd doing an NBC pop-up in the mm. Trafford Centre store. Um, and then, yeah, so that's how that, the first NBC pop-up started. And at that point, it was just like live, it like in store, the, the first one, they did it over a um, student night. So it was, they kind of threw me in it, to be fair. They did 10% discount for students and a free custom. So they paid me to be there. Yeah. Obviously, you can imagine the amount of kids that then wanted that because they could go in, buy a pair of Air Force or whatever shoes for 10% discount mm. and get something unique on them. So it did really, really well. But obviously, I was fully, like, I think it was the first like hour I just got fully booked, couldn't do any more, was there for the rest of the night. Just you making still. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it was just me. Um, and don't get me wrong, the, the, the right the way through it because I've had education on the side of things it's always been like um like it, it's worked better for me now when I think about it because I didn't ever really have to take the plunge and say like shit I've got bills to pay yeah I need to do this because I was so young so there was times uh, back in the day where it dipped out and I'd have like five to ten orders in a week mm. um so it, I wasn't like one of these guys like fucking Imran who's on like millions when he's like uh, 18 mm. um but the good thing was, was it was constantly building and I was constantly seeing uh, growth. And what I was then finding at times, uh, or quite frequently, is I'd get fully booked where I could mathematically look at it and say, I've not got enough time to create these in a decent amount of turnaround time. So I'd stop taking orders. But then what that then did is that then gave a little bit more hype to them because people had to wait. Yeah. And people did wait. So then obviously from there, I was like, right, my price is going up. So etched yeah. it up a little bit. And yeah, throughout time, it's just kind of continued like that. Um, and and I, I really did grind right the way throughout college, just on my ones, it was just me. Um, and I don't know why really, now I look at it, I think I just wasn't in the, the right business mindset at the time to think of like scaling. I don't think I was old mm. enough. I think I was, I was happy with the amount of money I was earning because it was good. It, it really did get that get good because obviously the profit margins were just bigger and bigger. I had no overheads and my, my mum and dad at yeah. that point weren't asking for rent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, it kind of set, set me up well. And then it wasn't at the stage where I could leave college, college and be like, right, this is what I'm doing full time because I fundamentally didn't have any skills outside of that. And what I'd also taught, like showed myself is that education actually is for me when it's something that I'm passionate about. So mm. like 
um, got a distinction star at the BTEC. And I know that like people say like, yo, A-levels are well harder. I fully agree A-levels are well harder. But for me, I was looking at that thinking like, no, I actually like, I'm good at this. So I went to uni and did it. I had an interview at like Sheffield, um, Hallam, Nottingham, Trent and uh, uh, Leeds College of Art. Um, got in all three because like interview stages and basically yeah. having looked at them, um, Sheffield was just the obvious pick. Like they just made this new building. So moved to Sheffield. Fortunately, because I come from like an area with so many people, there was pure people going and they just happened to be like close friends that were also going. So like mm. one of my literally best mates from like primary school was going, uh, like, well, two of them, like there was, yeah, there was, there was pure people basically moving over from, from Salford to there. So we instantly like all moved into halls, but relatively close to each other. And yeah, I had a sick three years, but then on top of that, um, the business was still growing as well. So yeah. pop-ups didn't ever stop. We'd start doing it at Tommy Hilfiger, took on Ted Baker for a bit, but just because I was just saying yes to anything and everything. Mm. Um, we did we did a bit, bit more B2B stuff. We got a lot of celebrities in them. So even though I was like, oh, that was another thing as well. Like obviously university, I don't know how your experience was, but when you do graphic design at Sheffield, it's like a studio environment. So you've got to be in for register at 10 a.m. And then you're in till three, which I just didn't think that was the case. Mm. So like, I thought I was going to be able to leverage my time quite a lot and it was full on you like uni even first year was like it was a lot of hours so yeah late nights um one of my like close boys we'd in college we'd set up a clothing brand called Rulongui, um doing just like loads of like cut and sew pieces t-shirt printing um and he was like my boy for like fashion so like my close mates from high school didn't really have that kind of thing in common so mm. he was like we just back and forth all the time about like fashion entrepreneur like just the whole journey you know you know when you're just feeding off each other you yeah. learn something i'm going to tell you and it was a sick relationship so because we were so close he was working at office in um a uni so I was like, do you want to do this with me? Because I've got enough orders for you. And obviously you're already in, in, into this sort of stuff. I can teach you how to do it. So then, yes, yeah, so li- we were living in the same like uni flat. Um, he was doing it with me. And then he'd come to pop-ups. Tom Watson, his name is. Um, shout and out. Yeah, shout out Tom Watson. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a case of like having someone there almost to like feed off at all times when I had a new idea, I had stuff to yeah. bounce off and I, and I fully loved that because at the time, because I'm living away from my mum and dad, they don't really know too much of what's going down. They know that I'm doing selfishes and stuff because mm. I wanted to tell them, but they didn't really know like what was going down. Um, so yeah, just literally grinded through uni, um, managed to get a 2-1, which I was like proud of, but looking back at it now, I probably shouldn't have spent so much time on the coursework because... Like realistically, I learnt more in college graphic design wise. Like, bro, it's uni for graphic design is just bullshit. Like, yeah. they don't, they don't, they're not physically teaching you. It's all about like. Well, I, I ended up doing advertising, which was ironic. Yeah, I dropped out yeah. when I was running Facebook ads. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's yeah, a fucking weird one. Just, just going back slightly, you're good at telling the story. Um, so when in the early days just to clarify them so were you doing more of people bringing their shoes and you were drawing on them no so that was, actually... re- that was really early on that at, col- at college level right. that was, um, yeah. so once we started to build up a catalogue it just didn't make sense to me anymore because people would give you fucked up shoes like and I mean like yeah, yeah. dirty dusty so shoes so when someone orders though would you literally go to the shop and buy it or were you deemed mistake like suppliers on, on li- no online and even to this point it's still like that yeah. So like that, and that, that's the major downside of the business because it's literally people's full-time jobs might be customs to buying base shoes because yeah. the only problem is, is like the whole business model is based off 
the shoe that you rate and you want to wear all the time, we're going to create something that you can't buy on the high street and we're yeah. going to make it super limited. And the downside to that is we're only doing it, working on shoes that are hyped and have hype. And for years, Air Force Ones were easy to get hold of. So I could mm. buy 20 online, one, one transaction, boom. Now they're a lot more turned on, like turned on to the whole why you order in bulk so that there's not a resale market yeah. for resellers. And that comes under us as well because technically we are a reseller. But mm. the thing for us is, and I know this from speaking to the brands, they appreciate what we're doing because we're buying their product at RRP, adding artistic expression to yeah, it. You're, in, you're not getting any bulk so discount. We, we do, we do now, yeah, yeah we do now. But, um, but yeah, but for so long, we, so long we didn't. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it, it just came to a stage where Ordering in just became like like that. That was just a done thing. That was like part of my job at uni. Ordering yeah. in, get, getting them made. So um, so yeah. But it was only really on at college that I actually um, was working on used shoes. I quickly came away from that model. Yeah. And how big was the business then when you, when you got to uni? Because like my question would be, why did you even bother going to uni? Or was it just like a cool environment? And yeah, I think I think it was a mixture of everything because the scene wasn't what it was at the time. So I I wasn't looking at anyone above me and being like they're doing it better, better than what I'm doing. Mm. And I, I was at full capacity, full peak with orders. And in in my eyes at that point, the RRP was expensive, but obviously this is before we were that registered. This is before we had overhead. Yeah. So the RRP from then has changed loads, but that's also my business mindset. Like I'm very frugal. So like I used to think that like 150 pound for a pair of Air Forces is too expensive. So I would go into that mindset and never kind of go, go above that. Mm. And at the time the RRP for a pair of Air Forces is like 70 quid. Um, and the paints are pennies. So like, if you want to work out like how much a custom takes to create it, it the, the overheads on the specific, like the paints and stuff is not at all, not a lot at all. Um, so the, I, I had no overheads, no real material costs when it, cause at the, that point I was just painting. So yeah. throughout uni, I was just, just painting orders. I wasn't doing what we do now. Um, so the profit were good, was good, the money was good, but at the same time I'd reached the peak and I was looking at other people and they, no one had scaled in the scene, no one had even built a brand, it was all just individual artists and it yeah. still is now really. We're the only people to really build a brand and actually like be able to scale this shit and that's why we get all the uh, B2B work when it's looking at scale because there's no one else really to do mm. it. Um, but then yeah, as I then obviously get going to uni, the reason why I was going there was because I didn't see that like, like I've always had an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset and I actually do want to become like very, very wealthy and not just for the money thing, but just for the whole build. I want to see the big, big side of like business. And mm. at that point, I just saw a ceiling on the business that it, it wasn't like, it was a good side thing. Like it was a good thing to like keep me going. Blah, yeah. blah. So went to uni and I then got into the st scale mindset once I'd taught Tom how to paint. And then that was the problem that mm. I'd already spent the money in going to uni, spent the money in the first year. I'd had, I'd had a well. sick party life as well. So yeah. like obviously you're thinking in your head like, oh, do I really want to give up this for the next two years while all my boys are here having a sick time? So I stuck with it and I'm glad I did to be fair because it showed me like how much you can work when you're really like got like when you're up against it and there's a lot of things going on it taught me time management it taught me like like no one was out there doing it for me i had to do it mm. i had to make sure though because some of the projects bro at uni you should like my, in my final year we had to do five major projects one of the one of the major projects was 
uh, bring a product to market. Well, you can imagine for people like us, yeah. you just want to absolutely go in on that. Like, yeah, so I, I created this like CBD, CBD gummy brand and I fucking buzzed off it. So I went deep into it. Yeah. But that was one of my five projects. So then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, you can imagine how you, you're almost doing too much uni work. Yeah, and and that, that was the downside to it that fundamentally I shouldn't have ever done it, but I'm glad I did it. I've obviously I've got the debt now and, and I've got the experiences and I'm happy like and I came out of uni feeling like I'd have this like slingshot on me hmm. and then I could I, I literally finished my mum and dad had no questions of me setting this up because they knew how big it was at that point um, and I was just looking for people to take on at that point I was looking in my local area for people like who's artistic who's got like even just in the fashion industry like who wants to be in it and yeah like first four months found a studio this low key spot in Swinton above like a premier shop two, £250 a month no se- no central heating definitely not central London yeah exactly it's no no central heating but it, but it was nice it was like a relatively big box room with like yeah. a kitchen and a bathroom um, and yeah first four months we just started flying but one of the key things in that was when I like uh, finished uni I obviously finished and I didn't want to have like you know some people go traveling and stuff like mm. that I didn't want to have that because I felt like my momentum was just fully there I felt like I just wanted to go fully into it so I was looking for studio spaces and while I was off in like the summer holidays of like that uni um, that final uni year my mum got made redundant mm. um, so she works she all her life she's been like a saleswoman and she worked in education and she basically sold, sold uh, books to schools as like a freelancer yeah and then she like was doing really well at that and she's quite an operations person so they then gave her a manager's role to look after the um, freelancers you know that are then selling into schools Mm. so she almost got like a promotion but the company didn't do very well and she got made redundant so it it almost was like perfect that then she was able to help me find studio space help me with like all the to and fro and building the studio and then we were kind of a few weeks into it and she was like, right, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to help you for a little bit, like a couple of weeks. And then I was like, well, what if you were to not look for a job and um, I pay you and you kind of help me for a little bit longer than that? Cause I feel like we're going to need a little bit longer than that. Like at this point I had no processes in, in like at all. So someone would get an order and Shopify would be my organization, mm. like a list of unfulfilled and not fulfilled. Yeah. So she very quickly like brought me down to like operations level and she's helped me ever since. Cause she is really good at that. Like she doesn't, she, she's never like been one to do that as like a job, but she is really good at it. So so yeah, so that's how like my mum started working for me, just like really early on, and she still works works at NBC now. Yeah. Um, when did you finish uni then? So I finished uni in twenty. So I'm twenty four now. Graduated two years ago. So twenty nineteen. Yeah. So twenty nineteen. Yeah. Went and, there in. And how many orders were you doing at the end of uni? So at the end of uni, we were doing about thirty a week, but that was with me and Tom, and that was like. At that point, we were in the trenches, but it was doable, fully doable. Like yeah. we were, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, there was, even just with us two, there was more to be done at that point. Yeah, yeah. Bearing in mind though, as well, is the stuff that we were creating is nothing like what we create now. So like, it was like illustrations and, and pattern work and stuff like that. So it's stuff that you can create in batches. So mm. I wouldn't really try and do any one design. I'd, I'd do like 10 and I'd do one color with multiple layers on each one. So you work it like a factory. So. 30 to yeah it's just not not a lot but also that's in my to in my like mind not a business that you want to stick to either like there's more money out there than that sort of scale yeah and that's why i question sometimes some of like our competition because i've been there at that level 
and it's hard, bro. Like the mm. money's like it's good, but it's like, yeah, it's and like where were the sales coming from? Is it all organic? Yeah, so we, we, it's quite an Instagram like organically. Yeah, that's, that's fair amount. Yeah, fair. yeah, it's quite an Instagram Instagramable thing mm. though. And um, what we also got was a lot of um, like local people wearing them that had a fairly big following that would bring in sales locally. Then I'd yeah. do pop ups that I'd bring in locally. So at those days, I was very much like UK built. Like it was a lot mm. of Manchester, a lot of the surrounding areas. Um, and to be fair, mate, like even marketing wise, like I've always been quite frugal with it. And that's been like a downside for me because I've always kind of not wanted to, similar to like your situation, you know, go over that bit where you can't complete the orders because yeah. I've, I've always been like very much like brand orientated. So even though it's called like Matt B Customs, I don't really want to be like the face of it. And I never was for, for four or five years, but mm. I wanted to make sure that this was a brand. I wanted to put a logo to it and I wanted people to associate that pair of Air Force Ones to a brand. It's not just Nike yeah, shoe, yeah. it's Matt B Customs Nike shoe. So, and, and, and I did that in multiple ways, like branding it. We, we do like these like shoe charms. It's like, it comes in proper packaging. No one else really does that. Um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that to be fair. It's complete time. <laughs> it's good, it's, it's good content. <laughs> yeah, so come out of uni, focus on a business which is already there. So it's been there for three years, roughly, I think, at like lowish scale. Yeah. What was the first thing to be like, let's start scaling up. Obviously you mentioned your mum came in, sort out operations and shit, which yeah. is super important, which I think not enough people speak about, especially in like the whole e-com sphere, where it's all just yeah. about spending more money on marketing. Like, what yeah. was the first thing other than that that you started to focus on? Um, in terms of how to build sales? Yeah, just in terms of like, what was the next step to grow everything? So I think one main thing to like point out as well is that I had a very, very like, I was very conscious at uni not to take too many orders on. Mm. So I'd used to shut off the website, but then what I'd also do is I'd go, I'd go relatively quiet on posts, um, but I'd still be active. And then I'd log up stuff and I'd kind of go out in like drops, like the website's live and then post loads of shit, yeah. go back down. So I, I knew even at that point when we were getting that many orders, I knew there was so much more I could do to get more orders organically. Mm. Um, and then it was just a case of building up SEO, building up like, people and different designs because another th main thing is like if you look at the team now and the team from early like two three years ago when i when i left everyone that came on is better a better artist than me so that up to the levels of what we're able to create and because i'm so deep in the scene i know what's kind of already been done so i was very much like had a lot of ideas but i knew they could be created at a better level than me so like say for instance like lola when she came on so um she was a girl a girl that was working at NBC called Ellie. It was her cousin. And she'd been at my, in my graphics course and she'd uh, gone in uni, dropped out, and she'd been like a nanny for a bit. Mm. And then she'd um, she'd posted up on Instagram her painting like a pair of Converse and she'd give it to an artist. She gave them to an artist that she liked. And I seen in that post on Instagram, I was like, yo, have you painted those? They're like very, very sick. And obviously Ellie was working at the studio. So I was like, what, what's Lola doing work-wise? And she was like, yo, she's just literally lost a job. Like, oh, she's l just left a job. Mm. So I was like, right, and this was in really early days of having the studio since you leaving uni. And now looking back at it, it's like, wow, like you couldn't even write that because Lola's still with us now. She's like such an asset to the team. Like, yeah, it's just mad how, even though a lot of the team are local, are local people and people that have like kind of grew up around, she's a little bit older than me, but grew, grew up around. It's mad to see the, the skill level that we've got 
yeah. even just from that. And obviously now it's changed. We've got people from different areas. It's not it's not just a case like a local company anymore and, and it's not going to be long-term either. But yeah, it, it is funny that the amount of talent locally that I have to me. And even even now there's still people that I've not tapped into. Yeah, and so many questions I went into. And, and like, did you start running paid ads then as well? Because obviously organic yeah. is massive, SEO is massive. Yeah, so that was one thing, but all on, on my, by myself. So I was yeah. learning that because even just one of the reasons why I went into graphic design, like it's always that I wanted a digital trade. I wanted to like mm. use these key skills to build stuff. So as soon yeah. as I found out that there was a way of like marketing in that way, uh, as soon as I left uni, me and Tom got on that and was like learning that. The only downside to that is, is that because customs are so hands-on, like yeah. the painting hours, and, and I quickly realized that you can easily lose money on ads as well if you don't, if you're not on top of them, yeah. and you're not good at them. Very true. Um, so I just started to ease away from that quite quick, quite quickly and we've only brought that back in in the past year mm. um so yeah even when i speak to like because I've, I've gone and spoken to a lot of different um agencies and like even just uh, uh, freelance people that do ads funny actually one of them i met at a, a party uh, and he messaged me like when we graduated he did your ads he's called joe but he, he sent me he? neon beaches up. instagram so he, he basically trained with do you know about aaron branch who's just been on um uh, Appren uh, the apprentice yeah so he Wait, it's called Joe Marson. Yeah. Fuck off. He was on he was on the episode. Was he? Oh last mad. episode. Yeah, so like he I was met in your ads. Oh, he's not listening. Yeah, so I met him at a gaff party in um in Sheffield and then Yeah, went. I know Ollie. Alright, okay. Who runs Saw with right, us right. with him. They were they were the episode just gone. Right, right, yeah. That's so, so weird. Do you know what though? When you spoke about that. ads, I've always thought, oh you know what, I don't even know if I want to bring it up in case you say something like, Oh, he was dead shit and then he listens to this. No, I worked but, with them for a while, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, even back then, world, like I was it? so Christ. frugal that like I'd spoken to him and he was like, look, I'm doing this. And I looked at Neon Beach and that's how I first came about the company, obviously not knowing anything about you. Saw Neon Beach and I was like, sick. I can see yeah. how there's a similarity in this business that they're creating like custom stuff that's oh, got to be manufactured. That, <laughs> scale it too, too hard. Well, well, this is the thing though. And that's what I was always conscious of. So yeah, yeah. we were already doing well organically mm. and I just was scared that I could fuck up my business yeah, here. Most brands, I feel like wouldn't do anything organically. Like, Especially yeah. like new brands now, it's all start. You have to run ads to get sales. Yeah, like, but Instagram's different, like scene now in it. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm so frustrated with Instagram in general at the moment, just with how like or your reach now is just so poor that not yeah. just not just does it make you look like you've not got like legit followers, but it's more that you've built up that following and they're not seeing your shit. And it's yeah, just like, very true. and it's like TikTok, like you have one post that absolutely bangs off and does like unreal yeah. numbers and you think, right, I'm on it, I'm on a roll. And then the next one just dies and it's mm. like, but so yeah, at that point I was relying so heavily on Instagram. Like it, it's unbelievable. Like I'd be on the store on stories every day, swipe ups like heavy on Instagram on, on uh, SEO and just on influencer marketing. Like we've never paid someone to wear it, but I've asked a lot of people to, to for them for free. Yeah. So like all the people that you see that's wear it, worn NBC, we've never actually paid anyone to do yeah. it, which I'm quite proud of to be fair. But I think that also is a testament to the product, but the fact that we're already selling something that's trendy. And then on top of that, we're adding something unique onto it. So people would bite your hand off for free shit with those sorts of things. Yeah, for like, sure. It's unique as well. Yeah, but I, even the scale of it, like my girlfriend works at JD Influencing Marketing Team. So yeah. she's like in that uh, that realm. And she, some of the prices that these influencers are charging are just mad. And like, we've had mm. like Jess Hunt and yeah, people yeah. like that do it for free. And it's oh, like, yeah. looking back at it, it's yeah, like got pretty mad. Yeah, the, Refi uh, Beauty or something, yeah. Refi? I don't know how you say it. Smashed it. Massive, yeah. Smashed it. So yeah, yeah so um, yeah, so it, 
it's a weird one because it's like realistically like I could have scaled sooner but I've not got that many people that can create like at the moment the team's 11 with seven people that create orders um and at Christmas time like the time just gone mm. it's hard work like it's a lot and the only downside to it is is I want to build like a proper team culture and the only problem is like now when e-com falls off a cliff like in January I yeah. don't want to be taking on people and then mess them about that like that, that you've not got a job here anymore. So I'm just now trying to find those perfect, um, like people that can dip in and dip out. So like, we've got someone like, like Kelvin, who I'll, I'll speak about more cause I've got to go into Kelvin, but Kelvin's friend, name. yeah, Kel Kelvin's friend, Alex, he's an actor. So like he, at a drop of a hat, he needs to go out and go to an audition. Yeah. So I was able to teach him like relatively easy customs because mm. that's someone who doesn't rely on me solely, but at the same time can come in whenever needed because like he does act like he was in a movie last month with like Jane, yeah. Dame Judy Dench. So he's I like, know, he's like proper, a proper actor, but mm. he's got a lot of free time. So I just try and leverage people like that. I, that I know that I'm not going to let down so that I can have the core team that live in the studio every day and, and feel like we're all in it together. Cause the business wouldn't be anything without everyone else because of the, the fact that it's hand handcrafted customs. Right. So obviously, Mad organic shit, which is kind of different to, I feel like every, well, every e-com thing I've ever, ever been involved in, which has been heavily, heavily ad and media buying led and, and probably 90% of guests with ad as well, to be honest, which is sick. And I feel like that stuff takes longer to probably build up than mm. kind of explode and crash like my yeah. neon beach thing, for example. Yeah. But obviously like, how do you think you, you scale that? Like, do you, is there like, do you find there's so there's so many opportunities to scale and like people want stuff and you just can't you haven't got the team or currently capability to make it or it's just this constant balancing act of yeah having an adequate team team to take on when it's at its peak but mm -hmm. then also when it's not busy not having too big of a team so even like now so like say right now january it falls off a cliff like it's fucking shocking how different december is yeah, really. you can imagine for us like we are a, a craft gift when you deep it so yeah we get so many people that come around that period and an order um but what you've also got to remember is like with the backlog that we have like this christmas we took like 400 orders within the month of november mm. so we basically lock off the website in december well i don't shop for my christmas presents till like fucking dead late in december so there's constantly this thing of like we want to have enough pre-made stock there so that when you come you can just buy a, buy a pair pair of them yeah and that we don't have to well the time's already been made to make them but then at the same time when because out of how good the drop shipping method is that you literally like we have like a, a, an accountant, and obviously when whenever you're talking about them, like you realise how how lucky you are to have a business that the customer pays you up front, and yeah. with that money you can then use it. So we've built up like a relatively large stockpile now of base shoes. So uh, we've got got yeah, I won't I won't go into figures, but we've got a lot of base shoes. But then also we've got a lot of pre-mades as well, mm. and this is what we go to like Crep City and places like this with where we show our offering, so you can just go on and buy it. But fundamentally, we're showing you like look at the amount of different shit we do come on the website and buy it so yeah it's this constant balancing balancing act of wanting to just absolutely blow the top off it and just sell as many as we can mm. but like now we've gone through brexit we've really struggled with base shoes this year to the point where it's like even if you wanted to sell you still it's still like drawing back like we've got gaps in sizes like this jan that we've ne we've not had that for 
years. Do you know what I mean? Like we've is got just because you can't get the base shoes, literally, like can't get it. And and the, what then happens is because we can't get it, the reseller because we work a lot with resellers that have bots to buy these shoes, and they mm. add a very small margin on. So um, it works for us that like that that fully is fine. You know, at the very peak of it, that we're not only just buying something at RRP, but we're buying it with a little bit on top. That's even with our mat like with, with our uh, costings. That's still okay. Um, yeah. But it's not fucking ideal. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's profit that literally is there staring at you that's going elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's also where like fundamentally my idea of the business is changing. Like we do a lot of B2B stuff now. And that is like, if you looked at it in, ter- in terms like profitability, in terms of actual amount of work, it just shits all over it. Like yeah. completely shits all over it. So I just want this balancing act of like to take on young, like hungry creative people, have a, team that work on the business that are not so young more uh, more experienced and that can really take it like not just um, like production wise but like even just in creative like take it to the next level mm. and then also work on on b2b stuff so we've got like three parts of the business so we've got like the e-com side we've got like the b2b side where we work with brands collaborate with brands on like video pieces custom shoes uh, custom accessories but then we've also got the live pop-up events and obviously for the past two years that's been very well just completely dead um but yeah. it started to pick back up now like uh, in december we did a pop-up at size with new balance and that's shit's gonna pop off a lot more now mm. um like we've got pl- like we've already got um stuff in the works that stuff's booked so yeah that that side of the business is coming, coming how, how well. do sales split between custom and like pre-designed then um as in so if someone's going on the website how many more people are ordering just yeah. it, a lot a lot a lot of people are ordering that we don't have the pre-made that just seems to be the way like we don't stock but is pile. that because you don't stock it or is that like they're actually yeah. ordering a custom shoe no so it's because one because um we don't try and stock too many in one design so mm. you go in like the represent uh, warehouse and they've obviously got multiple of one set thing yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas i'm really just looking to have like a light coating of all our product offerings so mm. that we can show them people if you want to take that one okay yeah. but we'll replenish it straight away so we don't have like a full size run in every single design because if you go on the website we've got like 125 products so mm. it's like there's no point in in going into that i'd rather have a stockpile full of white air force ones and with the scale of the team that we've got we can turn it around for you quickly and like what you just got on there with uh, custom stuff we do a hell of a lot of one of one stuff now yeah that's what i mean yeah, yeah so like as the team's built we, we we offer like free mock-ups so like um the the social team will like reply to you they'll get like a kind of understanding of what you want and if you don't know what you want our creative team will help you get, mm. uh, do that if you've got a topic um and then obviously with the level of artists that we've got you, you can do anything like say if you wanted your dog on a pair of shoes we'll hand paint that's that if you dog. wanted something to like i know you go to like taboo london you're the nightclub we just did a load of shoes for their I, guests I've been there once right okay i've I seen mean, that on in, uh, yeah, instagram because i'm definitely not like a, a nightclub guy right. person genuinely speaking like honestly i still think i've got fucking anxiety from that weekend i'm dead serious the same to my flatmates like <laughs> <You> know, <yeah. laughs> fucking five days later but yeah sorry just a little side note so do you not That's drink a lot then? Because when I see you with the wine in the pot, I'm always like... Yo, fellas, quick one. You may or may not have noticed there's been a bit of merch, so to speak, in recent episodes. We've got two different things. We've got some of the retro-style OG Neon Beach posters that I designed like four years ago. You may have seen that on my Instagram. And then we've got some of the best-selling OG viral-style neon signs that basically did start that entire craze about two years ago now. So, yeah, if you want to add something to your home office, your living room, just anywhere sick, basically, that you want to add that extra thing to and support the channel, then you can check that out. Link is in the bio, midnight.co forward slash shop 
shop and yeah just an aesthetic item to complement the process i suppose cheers for watching and enjoy the rest of the pod am i giving off that impression i mean i i don't i don't go to nightclubs a lot like i used to a lot more i don't really enjoy it that much anymore yeah it's cool now and then um wine on the pod i do enjoy Mm. not drinking wine tonight because it's like a midweek one yeah I'm the opposite, me. I'm I'm like a binge drinker, so I, I if you go in my house, like there's beer there, doesn't get touched. Wine, mm. girlfriend doesn't get touched. But then when I go out, I, I go, I, I always get fucked. So I'm like in this weird, unhealthy zone of like, like. This weekend was the first time I've been like heavy in a while. Obviously, I was fucking tiny before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't go into that too yeah. much, but yeah, I just get like it writes off your next day, shit. though, doesn't it? It writes. It's, it's like it's written off my next few days this week. I don't know just other things, but yeah, it's fucking heavy. Yeah. I can't do it. Like. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I could go fully sober for like a year, but I, I do like wine. Mm. And I don't think wine has that same effect. It's more like when I go to a... Go are, are you drinking it to get drunk or liking the taste? I what? like the taste and mellow mood of wine. Right, I think okay. it's conversational drink. Right. Whereas, you know, vodka, I find, <laughs> isn't that. It's yeah. just like a you know, nightclub degenerate spec. But yeah. also like, just makes makes me feel different. It makes me feel like sad. It's not like a nice drunk. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of different, but... Yeah. Where were we? Fucking hell. I don't remember. I've thrown you off. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so actually on the customs, yeah. um, how much more do you charge for them? Because I guess it is similar to, to what I was doing with the neon stuff. Like, mm. yeah, what, I that, didn't charge what, much what more What were your for margins them. like on the product? On the product, it was like 60% product margin, so it's pretty decent. Yeah, but, but the AV was like 300 quid. Yeah, but I didn't realise... Whereas with the, my supplement stuff now, it's going to be like now. 85, 90% product margin. I didn't realise the margins were that big though, if I'm honest. That, that, that's really good. Like ours are not nowhere near that. We, we've got some products that are 10. But then 10% we've got, margin? Yeah, but we've got other, other products that are a lot more than that and they're the ones that are a lot more frequent. But I think this is where the... Because I would... I expect on any e-com brand that like, I've done it in the past to spend up to 50% of revenue on marketing. That's the, yeah, see, That's this is where, the like... The mindset difference. Yeah, and this is also no where, like... Words, but like, I just don't assume there's going to be... I assume there's going to be zero organic. Yeah, uh, bro, honestly, like, uh, that, that sometimes I do, because I'm really into the figures, like, I love that side of the business as I've got older and, and I've, as I've, like, seen it build out. Mm. And, like, I know, like, we've done so well not to kind of go to that state. It was choking then. Not, not go to that stage where we're having to spend, like, money on ads. And don't get me wrong, like, now... There's, there's less work going so you do kind of think I wish I, I had that momentum from November and December and all the other months yeah. but to take you into January so you are still getting a lot more e-com sales mm. but at the same time it's this kind of balancing act of like right where do I want to be with the business the, the, the e-com side is the bread and butter but yeah. I think like you've only got to look at our brand and now where we've took it to that people want to work with us like we're having to turn down work because of the amount of people that want to work with us and there's also so much untapped potential that we're outreaching to people to work with so it's like this balancing act of like yeah i want to have loads of e-com sales but i don't want to overflow it where we get a bad a bad uh, rep in the press yeah and then also this thing where it's like yeah on on trust pilot and yeah so it's, it's like this whole balancing act of like and and another thing is is one thing that my mum's helped me with a lot is um, like understanding costings and actually how to cost something up so that you know fundamentally what you need to earn because we've got quite a lot of overheads as a business like mm. because we, because we've got a big team we've got a relatively big space because we've got um, the amount of like our cost of goods sold is a bit similar to you like the cost of goods sold is a lot because you're buying yeah. these shoes you're buying in the equipment like the materials and stuff like that and over the years um, 
we've tried to reduce that as much as we can, but we've kind of got it to a stage now where you can't really lower it anymore. And that's then when I've started to implement ads more because now I can understand what I can spend on the ads. And then obviously once it gets to a certain threshold, if they bring in a certain amount of revenue, we can top that up. Yeah. But when, when I was going into ads, we were paying the agency 1.5 a month. And our, our original budget for the whole month was 1.5, yeah, which to you is like, agencies. I bet you're looking at it like fucking hell, that's nothing. But like, we just couldn't, really at the time go over that mm. and that's the hard thing that like that's the frustrating thing for me anyway because i really do want to like i, I want to see like multiple multiple millions revenue and sometimes or at times i've realized that it's very hard to do it in the e-com side of things and this is where like that is the bread and butter but fundamentally the b2b stuff is mega and the the pop-up events are mega so it's like this balancing yeah. act of getting all that right and and a lot of the things even why I'm doing this like I do want to be a lot more like in front of the brand now because I feel like I've grown a lot so I feel like I can be that phase because back in the day I just I, all, all the Instagram was was just pictures of shoes in my hand so for very, for a lot of time I, I, I yeah. have no intention of being it but I only look at like I, I'm a, I love fashion so I love like small brands and I like the brands I like the most is where I know the owners and not personally know them but yeah. where, they, where they invest where brands you invest like, into them like like represent example bro represent example. cole buxton yeah, yeah. Um, on that, yeah, when, yeah like, i'm bro, trying to get them on the pod yeah bro, i messaged both of them me really after messaging again right okay they won't be watching well, yeah. if you're so watching, many brands like though like so many brands like even like risa barra you've got like yeah you've got so and to be fair as well like most of those are ones that you meant that you can name are manchester based so like yeah very it, true we've got it popping down on our sides i love money but yeah so yeah, it's true yeah so um so yeah, so it's one of those things where I was looking at those and thinking like, I love this brand so like solely because I know what it's taken to get to that. And I know like what the sacrifices they've got. I can kind of appreciate it. Whereas I can't really look at like a Gucci and a Balenciaga and, and understand number one, the cost of it, but also like have any, like want to wear it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want to wear that. So I knew from looking at brands of what I want to wear that you've got to kind of let people in. You've got to show people. And yeah. the good thing is, is we've got a sick creative team and we're all young. So we have loads of fun. So that's why now you're going to, you, you, know, you do see a lot more of the team and me working because we have got something special going on. Yeah. And what is the biggest block right now stopping you from getting to 100 million revenue? Um, hypothetically. So base shoes. Yeah. Base shoes actual skilled artists to output the things mm. that we've got um, and I think that is it but then what I'd also say is I'm not just like because I, I think so much in the future that this isn't like what you see the business now is not sustainable in my head long term because like even now like white air force ones when I first started they were 70 quid this like because of Brexit they went up to like 100 over time because of Brexit mm. now they've just gone up to 115 so like it's just creeping and creeping and creeping and yeah so fundamentally what, what the plan is now is that we'll create a separate brand like it's already in the works now so Talk Studios will be coming and basically what that is is it's a footwear brand that is solely owned by us yeah. but then also that, that has a chance to scale but then mm. also we'll customise it as well 
Um, so we're already in the works of that. Yeah, I was going to say, would you ever think about actually manufacturing shoes? Yeah, so yeah, I'm, 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 like because that's where you can scale. Yeah, so yeah, so I, basically, I did like a, a, a documentary with a Channel Four, and at the end of it, it was like, "What do you think the future is to might be customs?" Mm. And I was like, having our own shoe, and then basically, some a, a guy called Nathan DM'd me on a, or messaged me on LinkedIn and was like, "Yo, bro, I bought I brought a Mallets, you know, Tommy Mallets yeah, brand yeah. To, to market. I can do the same for you." And he's basically an agent. Um, mm. So yeah, so so we started going back and forth with him, but then also quickly realised there's a lot of other guys like that, and we're, we're with like talking to someone new now, and that's just kind of ticking over. But we had a lot of ideas going into it that basically like what, where the brand is at is we create like a lot of white leather shoes, yeah. and white leather shoes are like usually crease, and over time they look a bit shit, mm. and like if you're a sneakhead like you don't want your shoes looking shit so we want to create something that like has that durability to it so it's obviously not a leather upper but it's still aimed at a sneakhead market so it's a bit more of a beater and yeah. then we'll go full circle with it where we kind of bring in like the entrepreneurial side of things because I don't know about you have you got the 247 range from Represent I'm right now. bro I'm it's I all I wear. love this shit like, like, seven pairs. like honestly bro that, that whole like market for me is just like so sick where it's something that you like cherish and love and the quality's there but you, yeah. you can like I, I wear these to the gym but then I'll also wear them on a night out and it's just like are they, oh they're 247 yeah these are well. not this pair because yeah these are old but bro love them like yeah. love them so with that it's like I can see how there's a market for that and obviously that's got scalability as well but I think like going back to like Matt B Customs and where I like to see the future of it is the B2B stuff like is just mega like do you, do you know a lot have you looked into like who we work with and stuff because I think like that sets us aside massively but it also like, probably not enough yeah so it, it shows and, and a lot of like enough fucking research you can tell me like businesses can use us in a lot of different ways and that's like we're kind of susceptible to anyone using us like mm. space goods could come on and, and we could work with space goods Let's fucking do it yeah so um, that's a good idea actually so, so yeah so what you find is that a lot of people kind of take from what we've got going on and just bring it into their business so we've worked with like loads of different brands and um, and yeah that, that's just like the future now it, it's it's working with different brands on different projects like um so yeah so like yeah that's where that's where we're at so can you talk about that thing you showed me before not that one that's under nda that's that, that client's bare private yeah but, but i can tell you about mad can tell you, like bro, that, I, well i'll tell you, you about the, the, the that project where that stemmed from so mm. basically got an email off a pr agency and was like um right we've got this idea there's a new film coming out on Christmas Eve called Don't Look Up. It's, for yeah. Netflix, it's going on Netflix. Seen it. Basically, what we want to do is buy a meteorite and put it on a pair of sneakers. Can you do it? So it was like, yeah. we, we rang them up and got on this call. And then at the, at the start, you're just like mad. But then as it started materialized, right, right, okay. So we had full creative control. So we had to speak to Nike. Nike didn't want to get, be involved in the project at the time because they weren't going to pay them. But New Balance came through and was like, mm. we, we'd love to be a part of it. So we went with a New Balance 550, which is like an up and coming shoe anyway. It's something that you're going to see us customize a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically they bought a meteorite from Christie's auction. 4.5 billion years old um, which is just mad how much they pay for that I actually don't know with that one so the one that I've showed you today that little piece was 1.5k and they've spent 18 grand on like the full bit yeah. I can't re I can't I fully can't it's under NDA so mm. I actually fully can't chat about that one but basically with that one they, they supplied the meteorite um, and then they paid us to basically work out how you're going to put this on a shoe so that was like somewhere something where um yeah, you're kind of being given full creative control, but you're working with a medium that you never worked before. Yeah. And and yeah, it, like those projects I love because it's like, that's when you fully get to like show off like where you're at in, in just understanding how the shoe's made, but also what you can do with it. 
And then PR-wise, it was amazing um, because obviously all the, the hype, beast highs and biting, all that get behind it. That's how we got verified for all those, that, that PR. Oh, yeah. It's only recent that we yeah, got verified. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, actually, it came about all in one day, literally on like Friday, on Friday, uh, in a Friday in December, when, when I think it might have been like the 11th or 10th or something like that. We had um, the Channel 4, like the E4 YouTube series come out then we were at a JD event in London doing like a pop-up shop for their Christmas event. So we'd done mm. like 60 pairs of custom um, sneakers for all the influencers there and like the artists that were there and like Anthony Joshua and that. So yeah. that was like a, a sick event. Then we had, so we had the, the, the that, that, and then the Netflix thing um, all to post, like all wanting to be posted on the Friday. So it felt like we just had all these projects, but then one day and it just felt like, fuck's sake, you, you work so hard to build up everything. And then all of a sudden it just la- like loads on your lap all at once. And then that same night we got verified as well. So it's like you have this mad high, like euphoric fucking day. And then now we're in January and it's like back, back to back to square one again. Let's grind. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, but we've got some mad projects even now that we're working on. Um, I can't say what brand it is because that's under India as well. But basically Metaverse Fashion Week is in two two weeks from now. And um, yeah. so let's just say said brand um, has a shop on uh, Decentraland. So basically what mm-hmm. it is, is on that day, you can go in the store of the fashion week, buy the shoes. And then what you're also going to get is we've created a physical shoe, but it, that it, like integrates with the NFT. And um, that's something that we're looking a lot into now. Like we've had a lot of chats, most on a network level, but also just with indi- individual brands that basically think that they can bring us into that space. But that's also something that I see a lot of legs on because I, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of like this metaverse thing, but yeah. it's going to happen, mate. And fundamentally, scary. like people want to show off what they've got in the physical life over there. So we're going straight into that world. Like, you know, like, yeah, it, it just works hand in hand. So that's something that's like popping off at the moment. Um, at Christmas, uh, football agents um, did like a... Uh, like Christmas gift to all the footballers. They've got 75 clients. So they paid for like a slot with us and everyone could get the, either the phone case, the wash bag or like some sort of like designer thing customized by us. Mm. So that's still ticking on into January. Yeah, I saw quite a few footballers in on the page. Yeah, so that's obviously, it goes hand in hand on it. Mm. Like because we're creating stuff that is like limited, unique, like those sorts of people have the money to be able to do that. So they, they do it. And yeah, it, it, I feel like we've got quite a good business to just for everyone, really. Like we try and appeal to most 18 to 24 year olds. Like we've got edgy shit on there. Um, we've got, like, and we've worked with brands that are more edgy. Like we've just worked with a, a, a brand called Off The Rails, who are a mm. Manchester-based like creative magazine. Yeah. And, and we basically, they're bringing out, so they've got quite a big following. They're on like 250K, but and they've got about 10,000 subscribers to their magazine. And it's every month they do like this, um, like creators send in and it's got a theme and it's quite a sick, like visual piece of art. Well, because of the following they've got, they're now going into clothing, but they're going at like quite a high end. And basically we're doing their footwear. So there's this app called Alvio. And it basically allows you, did you ever use a Burlo back in the day? Yeah. So it's basically like a Burlo for That's Shopify. It. So like, say for instance, I was working with you with Stadium Goods. You could, like you have on your website, your signs, you could put a pair of custom Air Force Ones on there and you'd have a set price for them. In, in our back end, joined uh, our two Shopify stores would be joined by it through Alvio. Um, you get the order, but it comes straight into our fulfillment. Yeah. Will you keep your profit straight away, but you also trickle the money down to us through yeah. the app. Um, so we're working with a lot of brands now to do that, that we're basically working purely as a manufacturer, um, but creating their, yeah, bringing like shoes or accessories um, to the market for them. And that and that is when, when you deep like how far you can go with that. 
that we're only just really doing that now because of the technology that allows us to do it. But yeah, it, it, it's there's loads of stuff that we can still be working on, loads of growth still to be had. Yeah, fuck. What do you think is the hardest thing other than that then? Like, obviously, I think I, think I read you have 12 employees, is it? 11, 11. So, yeah, yeah so we're, we're all working from the studio, but uh, my mum, my dad works as well for NBC. So yeah. my dad basically, when, when it, it got good, he saw how easy it was just to earn a good living because mm. of the people that he was seeing him like getting paid at NBC. So he uh, quit his job because basically what he did is like going into like a little bit about like my mum and dad because I genuinely do looking back at it now think like I am a product of my mum and dad a lot. Like I yeah. fully do see that. Like I've got a very, very close relationship with them. And when I was like in high school and shit, they were like, I thought they were like the polar opposite to me. I thought that like they, the, yeah, just classic young shit. But as mm. I've got older, I've realized like they have fully like, yeah, just made sacrifices, like worked towards like, they've never really hit like crazy potential in the careers. They've always had like, like kind of good jobs like my dad's got a good job but they're not like they've never really like experienced like mad shit so I feel like they've kind yeah. of yeah I feel like they've made a lot of sacrifices to allow me to do what I'm doing and then it getting to the stage with my dad where it's like realistically I could have a more chilled out life working from home doing some cut and glue customs so he literally is at home working on shoes so like he literally cuts up material when that Netflix project came in because of his like engineering um, like more analytical brain he did a lot of the measurements for that shoe but he's got a, a lot more of like a chilled out kind of relationship with the company whereas my mum's balls deep in it like she is like mm. yeah, she every day she works like she's working hard and obviously because it's your mum I, I always think like when you're at that weird stage where the company's doing well but you don't know how long it's going to last you've not really got any like anything to go off you can't look at last year's figures you, you kind of just like tr trying to just generate something I was quite lucky that my mum was happy to take a low wage at the start, but bring so much to the business that like yeah. all those things now, like I just so fucking grateful for that shit. And I just want to make sure now that I blow out the park. So while they're still alive, they can have like a sick life. Cause I feel like they've, they've, my dad always says like, you, you should always better your parents cause they're like taking you to a certain stool and you should obviously do better than that. And I just want to smash it now so that I can fully like do bits for them. Cause They've not, mm. they've never struggled financially. They're very, very financially sound people and they've brought me up like that. Like I'm very frugal. Um, but at the same time, like there's, yeah, I want to give them good shit. Yeah. So in, in that respect, like, do you, do you have a specific goal for, goal for the business? Like, like, do you think it's more, is it more, I guess, doesn't have to be one or the other, the other, but is it more a passion business or is it more, I want to get it to this so I can make this amount of money? Um, so, was it a bit of both? Bit, bit of both. I think one of the reasons, like, why it's done so well is because I've worked so hard at it because mm. it's a passion. So yeah. it's not one of those things where it's like, it's never been difficult. It's not difficult now. And like, I am actively always trying to scale it. So like, I'm very bullish and aggressive with that. But I'm also mindful that we do have a peak and that peak like constantly is like weighing like this. And I think at the moment now we're at a good size where when it's quiet, um, we've got a lot still to be doing. But yeah. fundamentally, I need more people. The only downside to that is it's really hard to find those like skilled people. And um, yeah, it's just a case of that balance that, but still scaling. So we're going to be taking those people on. Uh, we, we've done an apprenticeship scheme recently with Juice Academy uh, and that's been amazing. Like the girl that we took on, M. Um, yeah, just like she, she she was a graduate. So she did a, um, 
a, a psychology degree. But then in the psychology degree, she realized that she wanted to do like more of the marketing side. So mm. she came on, uh, she, she then went down the apprenticeship route. Um, she's from down south, but she's like in, in Manny now. So she she's like come on. And even just seeing that in terms of like someone that's not an artist that purely works on the back end of the business and seeing how much that can help getting different eyes that are maybe not in the direct industry. Um, I just think, yeah, I just think the team that we've got is amazing. And I just think there's so much more that we can do and so much more that we can build that. It's not a case of, oh, I'm happy with this amount of money because financially we're a very sound company and we make good profit. But I do think there's so much more to be done that we've not done yet. And it's just that balancing act of like allowing me to have enough time to see it all as a scope. Because I think one thing that I struggle with at the moment that I'm getting really frustrated with is we're all in the same room. And like, I can go out into the meeting rooms and stuff and work but I find myself like getting so distracted that like it's just this whole balancing act of like making sure I've said distracted that. by what just just everyone in there so like mm. there's literally all young people in there having fun and like I think one major thing with customs which is like a blessing but also like a curse now for me is that customs is like you're painting and when you're in the flow state of painting you can be fully concentrating on it but you can fully have a conversation and that's why i was telling you earlier yeah. like before we started the pod that i used podcasts to learn because i was able to literally sit sit there four to six hours a night after i'd finished uni and just listen to amazing minds like like this speak it like one-to-one and give like different bits of like um yeah, just different bits of advice and different bits about like their journey. And I think like, cause I've had like four to five years of that, it takes you to like, yeah, your learning is increased. But what you've also got to remember is then if someone's in the studio and they can just have a conversation. So it's like, you're constantly getting like swayed into just like general mm. conversation, funny like jokes and shit. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's just that whole, cause I'm quite self-critical. So like, yeah, there's always these things that I want to improve in the business. That it's never, it's never fully perfect. And even when we've had our like huge months and our low months, I've still there's still so many gaps that I want to like mm. fill up. Because yeah, it, yeah it's, it's funny you say that there about getting distracted. Because I think one of the hardest things, and I think a lot of my mates can relate. Because it, it, even like with big scale, at, at least the way I've always approached it is it's like fully remote. I've had an office in the past, but with Adam actually from episode seven. But then we sacked it off because it was like, didn't really feel like we needed it. Mm. And now I, I work from home, have done for like the past two years, which I love the flexibility of, but then there's a bit of me that sometimes thinks, oh, culture. fuck me, like definitely long-term, I'd like to be in an office with yeah. 20 people. Yeah, it's amazing, mate, it actually Because, is. yeah, I just think one of the biggest challenges of entrepreneurship, at least for me, is Lonely. just the loneliness. Yeah. See, I've never felt that because I've always had like home... We're in, in a house with everyone mm. where I can bounce shit off. Tom, like now, like, yeah, it, it, I fully get that. So uh, this is one big question. So when I've listened to the pod, do you know when you've had your like 500K rev months and you're like hitting big numbers? Yeah. What were your overheads at that point? Did you not have an office or anything at that point or even uh, employees? Yeah, so yeah, I, I, when I was, the biggest months I've ever done in econ would, would have been April, May, June, 2020 when I was running both brands just before shit went tits up with Neon. Yeah, so I would yeah. have been doing 1.5 million a month. Yeah. Like in total, which is yeah. mad. That was like peak. Crazy figures for the team size. Yeah, but just to, yeah, to give you an idea on that, I mean, this won't be entirely accurate, but like uh, overhead wise, it would have been a team of people in the Philippines, which is probably like 30 grand a month, which is mainly like customer service, 
back end stuff. Maybe and number, that maybe well? number like ten grand on like softwares, like, you know, like Shopify, email, email marketing, all that sort of shit. But the biggest single thing was marketing. Like I would have been spending seven hundred grand a month on marketing. Yeah, which is where you get the Amex points from at the time. Yeah, I was going to say that's all. And then cost a good soul in it. Yeah, it was literally me in a kitchen. Yeah. Me and Freddie. The, the team in Thailand that are working, were they good? Was that like, was that like a... Yeah, so... How did that work? This is a mad thing looking back. Like, I reckon in that kitchen, like I said this before off camera, like we were probably doing the most revenue like per like ounce of body weight in any fucking business in yeah. the world. Yeah. In terms of like people actually in the same room. Because it was literally just me from my business and then Fred. But yeah, I, I didn't have... At that time, didn't have a single actual employee. <laughs> so I had like a lot that. of freelancers and agencies. It was very lean and very yeah, it's mad, bro. Just informal, I suppose, yeah. which which has pros and cons. Well, that, yeah, it def- there is cons to the culture side of things, definitely. Oh, massively. And, and even just motivation. Do you find you, it, you're it very good at self motivating? Yeah, it, but I think what what it comes from is for me and, and a lot of like most of the like ecom guys I know and like ecom communities on like Twitter and stuff. I think it's because you can literally quite easily in my opinion to build a, an e-com business of some sort so like seven figures revenue run rate with like literally just you and a laptop in certain markets because yeah. like drop shipping for example you can do that like I was doing that when I was 22 like like 500k a month drop shipping mm. like when I was in Bali yeah. barely even working yeah. like that was back when Facebook was a lot cheaper but yeah, yeah so it's kind of weird and, and then going on a bit of a rant here but like I sometimes think back to, I think it came up in another conversation. I thought like, I think I, th- I think it was Dragon's Den. I was watching Dragon's Den or whatever it was and they were talking about, it, I forget the business, but the point was they had like a bunch of employees and whatever and they were doing like 500 grand revenue a year. And I was like, fucking hell, like Neon did like 9 million in the first year. Yeah. I mean, th- that was ridiculous by the way and it went very wrong. Yeah. But even Midnight, which is still a good, never had any of those issues, was doing like two, two and a half million a year run rate. Mm. And it had two customer service people and me. When I was looking at it, I would have never have known that. Like, I remember looking at it thinking, so these have got a similar amount of like social following as us. The back end's probably similar. I thought, because this is obviously when when Joe was so way more scalable probably than a lot of yours. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is in in terms of like how easily I got so, to those numbers. Because it was I heard literally just ads. You were buying and the, content. The the you was buying this rope stuff. Not well, it's not rope. The, the LED stuff. Two very different businesses. Yeah. I right. Mean, Midnight was a traditional buy buy a stock from a supplier, put it in a warehouse. Would you design? Did you design that? Yeah, I designed all that right, okay. myself. So you, you set up costs and then it's just rinse and repeat after that. Yeah, like literally. So I, was then I, Neon yeah. Custom. Neon was a completely different model. Right. So it was custom drop shipping, basically. Mad, it's bro, a similar model right. to you, ultimately. Yeah, but yeah. That, but it was... So how could yeah. you scale it to that level? Like, how did you do that? So internally, obviously, you've got the Thailand team that are asking, right, I'm thinking like in, from in, a bar. In, in, in I want, the Philippines, yeah, yeah. In the Philippines, sorry, yeah. So similar. you've got like a bar that approaches you and say, right, I want I want a sign saying, da yeah. it's going to go in my bar. I just want one, but I want it to yeah, say Yeah, it was chaos. What was the process of an order? Well, I mean, literally for the first month, I did it all myself. I mean, I would always do that in any new business. What was that process though? I mean, it, it started off quite literally, I mean, from the first day, I mean, it grew super quick, but obviously on the first day, I mean, orders, it wasn't big on the first day is what I'm saying. So it was mm. literally yeah, of course, of course. me on DMs or whatever. Yeah. 
I would make a PDF. I'd make the fucking design of Photoshop myself, make the mock-up, send it to the supplier, get the price, blah, blah. Would that just be a vector that file? Was, that, yeah, that was the very basic. And then it became a Google spreadsheet with, you know, a CRM, like, gorgeous, with automated, like, flows and shit. Mm. Gorgeous is, like, help scout, whatever people will know if they're watching. Mm. And then it became, like, a fancier, like, custom spreadsheet, basically using Airtable, which is another software. And at this point, it wasn't me doing any of that. It was right, just, okay. like, it eventually became a team of literally, I think, at max, like, 25 people in the Philippines, which had, like, departments and shit. Right, Those yeah, designers, yeah, I was going to say customer that. Customer service people, so and then logistics the pr- people. Right, bro, it's pretty that's... fucking complicated, to be yeah. fair. And how did you come across them? Because I didn't even know those things existed. I thought that's the whole part of, like, going through that journey of having to build internal processes. Did they approach you? Did they realise that your business no, was scaling? No, so... And- this is an agency called Go to Impact, and there's loads of agencies like this. This is just an overseas staffing agency. So they're an American company, and I'd used them for midnight customer service before. And I just went to them. I've got this thing; it's growing ridiculously quick. Yeah. I mean, I already had, I think, a few VAs that I'd hired prior to that, and then I just went to this agency. It was like, let's build a team around this. Um, but it was very scrappy. I mean, Jesus Christ. I think this is one thing people forget as well. Like, even though, granted, yeah, that went tits up, blah, 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 like, whatever. You can get, there's a load of shit still online calling me a scam artist, whatever, I'm over it now. Like, yeah, go yeah. watch episode one. Yeah. But the point is, like, it's not just, and this is what's weird about a lot of, like, e-com communities and, like, content, is that like, they just talk about running ads, mm. which is obviously the opposite to what you're saying. Yeah, but, like, yeah. people forget that for anything, there has to be a decent back end. And I think it's what a lot of drop shippers sleep on. 100%, 100%. And it was so hard for Neon. And I think that market is always going to struggle because the nature of the product is, I mean, there are brands that are doing much better than I ever was in terms of, like, the fulfillment side of things when shit went wrong. But... Mm because it's such complicated back end like custom products yeah. I mean to answer your question it was about 70-30 like 70% were just like stock designs so mm. like you know quotes and shit they were still made to order though because that yeah, was the model yeah of course because like it didn't make sense at, even at that scale or stage to buy stock because the amount of SKUs there were there's literally like a million SKUs on the website if you work out yeah. all possible yeah, combinations imagine, of like colour size yeah. design yeah and then the others were custom ones where there was a few different options. People would either send in like a design from like a bar and that's where you generally get your bigger orders from like thousand pound plus. And then there was also the custom designer, which was custom made for the website. Mm. So it was bloody complicated. Yeah. I must say like, but I, I'm so shocked that they did so much to be fair, like even their backend uh, process and building out a team of designers to do that. Mega that. Did you ever go and visit them? Do you know anything about them? Like, Never went to visit them. Um, what, what other brands did they work with? Is there anyone else that I'd like to know about? I mean, GoTo Impact that I use is an American company. It's just a staffing agency right. for people in, overseas, which generally in the Philippines, because that's where yeah. that's where a lot of companies find staff, yeah, because yeah, culturally and yeah. a lot of them are educated for like a Western audience. So mm-hmm. never went to visit them, sadly. Um, yeah, it's kind of mad. Yeah, I think it got to that. like 25, 30 people at one point. Yeah. Um, but that's also the scary thing that like when when it did come like bad that you are on your own aren't you and and bro I'd mentally yeah. like, like I'd, just, I wouldn't even know what that feels nah, like not very fun at all and no. that's why I mean yeah going forward like you would like a team yeah I mean well yeah I've got investors on board for this next thing which which I spoke about a bit in the previous episode but the main thinking there was to have experience and like people to speak to yeah 
more than the money side of yeah, things. Yeah, literally. Um, I, I work so much better when I can yeah. bounce ideas off someone and, and I, I can give them what I'm thinking. They can dissect it and, and give me some a question back. And that like, everyone that you see around me is like, no one's like a yes man. And that's yeah. what I think like, I, I love that collaborative process of like, what do you think to this? I thought about this, but what about that? And then they be like, oh, but have you thought about that? Like that collaborative process I've used throughout uni, like, family girlfriend like robin is like grow because obviously I, I, i've been with my girlfriend long term like i was with my girlfriend before i even started the, the yeah. company so i've been with her like seven years and like she's like amazing because she is just not a yes man at, what yes woman would you say mm. yes woman at all and like my mum's the same kelvin who i work with on a daily like i just think that that whole collaborative effort of like pinging ideas back and forth is just so good like i love it but then obviously it comes with its downfall in terms of like when you get on with someone so well, how do you then not stop the conversation and crack on? I sometimes struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's the, I get a load of messages off, off the back of this pod line and there's a lot of similar themes and even like people that I know, but like not close friends but because they're living in the same place, whatever, like, and they'll message me and like, oh, the general theme is like, yeah, being like entrepreneurship is fucking lonely. Like particularly online entrepreneurship. Like, yeah. and, and everyone glamorizes, and I've done it myself. And there's great parts of like the the freedom, taking a time and location freedom. Like, there's a lot of benefits not having an, an office and an in-house team, mm. which you know primarily keep your overheads lower. You know, you don't have to be in one place and yeah. so on. But as I get older, you, you start to think like it's more about. It's as much about like the memories and the, the community yeah, and like it is the day to day as it is about the potential end of year result or mm. you know exit in the business because like I mean maybe that's as I've got older like a few things I've realised like firstly I don't want to be that don't want to be travelling in Bali all the time mm-hmm. which I used to do and I loved and I think there's a time and a place for that but I, but first I don't want to do that anymore and and secondly. I think, I don't know, like maybe in the past year in particular, like, I've realised like making the money is great, but if there's no one, like, yeah, I mean, like if, if there's no one there to enjoy mm. the process or the fruits of that potential labour, that, whether that's team well. members, fem, family, friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, yeah. whatever, then it's all fucking pointless in the first place anyway. Yeah, like that's one of the biggest buzzes I get in being able to because you can think of it as one way is like shit I've got 11 people's fucking mouths to feed and rent to pay mm. or you can view it as when you see that person then go out and get themselves something buy something re- like rent somewhere sick get somewhere something sick you you look at it and you actually feel like I've I've provided that I've helped like get that yeah and like that is like such a sick feeling to know that like like saving for instance in our team like we're like a family because we've worked together now on such a intimate level and like it's not like a nine to five job like we do fucking grind and like yeah. we're all going through it together so like when we have a win it is like a cultural win it's not just like my win do you know what I mean and it is it's, I love that side of it and, and that's also one of the things that when we're saying about like having this balance it's like I don't want to mess that up I don't want to scale too much and put people under too much pressure because we're doing sick and, and like we can what I've done up to now has worked and having this like rate of growth is like working like and I can f- I fully look at like your situation and just be like wow I would love to see crazy crazy figures but then I also think like 
I'd, I'd tarnish the company oh, and I've just got to grow. Yeah. But that I took a lot from the, what's the guy that you know from Unith with the poor, but the poor portraits? Adam, yeah. Adam, bro. Because his, his company is even similar to ours in terms yeah, of like the yeah. back end. Yeah, it is. And like, that's just amazing. Like one of my boys, like yeah. one of my best mates Kinda who cool. went to at uni, he's an entrepreneur as well. And he's he, he's like, does it full time. He's got a print to order service um, company, but multiple realms to it. And one of them's like poor stuff. Yeah. Um, that he's just started. And yeah, the the... The made-to-order custom shit, but done at scale, is just like... The I- beauty of what he's done and, and what differs between the neon stuff and the shoes is there are billion, literally billion-dollar companies like Printful and Printify, hmm. which have the infrastructure yeah. designed for print-on-demand. Yeah. So his fulfillment is basically flawless hmm. because it already exists and you're, you're leveraging a massive... Yeah. Right, it's not like he's hired a bunch of blokes in a factory to print stuff. Yeah. Graphic design you know wise I mean? though. Yeah. Graphic design wise. Yeah, th- yeah. I don't know his exact process, but it'd be similar to what I had to do with Neil. Like yeah. a lot of it was, yeah. you can automate a bit of it, but it's yeah. still like files and shit. So that's another thing for us. That's like, you've got this dilemma of if I really, really wanted to, I could set up a factory elsewhere where the cost of living is a lot cheaper and the cost of work is a lot cheaper. And I could teach them just like I've taught the team at here and we'd make far more profit. But I think what I have I love about it is that like, basically how, how we work is uh, the people that create orders are freelancers yeah. um, and they then work for the different brands that we work with when we collaborate. So they'll invoice them separate, but then fundamentally they work on all our orders and the great thing about that is as we scale and as we uh, charge more and as we get more orders they also grow too so there's not really a cap on how much they can earn it's just about Mm. grinding and getting your head down and some people work on a part-time basis some people work on a tunnel vision i'm fucking gonna make as much money as i possibly can but because because of that we do give a lot to the artists like the artist is is a massive portion of our um like rev that comes in well just even per order um so it's this balancing act of like, are you greedy, but you've not got the culture? And I'm not saying you're greedy, by the way. I'm just saying like, in terms of like, I, I could say, but I'm, I'm meaning like, ways. I could be greedier and make more profit. But mm. I genuinely think that like, the culture and what we're building is also bringing in a lot of these brand works because we're creating like, um, a team that people want to watch, want to be involved with, want to, yeah, I think, I think we've got something good. And I just think that, although I'm constantly in this mindset of like, scale, 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 I think, the way I'm doing it is right. I've just got to keep frugal and keep making sure that I'm not underdoing it, you know, not not taking the chances when they're there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do you think having your parents involved, like, is that is that like is that challenging or is that? It, it was when I lived with them. Like, so, yeah, I bought a gaff last year, so I don't live with, yeah. them, I live with my girlfriend. But when when I was living with them it is because I think one thing is I am like I'm not I'm quite like confrontational so like mm. and you can imagine them with your parents bearing in mind it's mostly my mum my, dad, my dad doesn't try and get involved too much because like my mum's doing a good enough job that my dad's kind of like he's involved in all the chats but he doesn't need to be a third person in like in in like the kind of debates that we go through mm. because I'm very bullish and my mum's very not so we're, we're constantly in this battle battle of like um I want to do this. No, we've not got enough money. I want to do this. No, we're not got, you know, like that, that yin and yang. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like when I uh, like, 
Yeah, so, so going back to the questions like women, mum and dad, yes, but I think you've got to learn how to do the relationships and you could say the same with like your friends. Like I've literally got four friends that work at the at the, um, the business. So you could look at that and say, oh, that's problematic. And at the start it was, I, I used to pussy out of stuff. I used to not, not say things when they should have been said because of I wanted to keep the relationship. But then what I quickly realized in learning leadership is that there is a way to do it and there's a way to go about it. And the more you do that, the easier it gets. And I've had some horrible conversations. Like I've had to let people go that are like close friends and shit. And we've had some, I've had some horrible times that have like made me mentally low. But at the same time, like about, like I come back and I, 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 I rejig how we're, how we're looking at it. And yeah, it's like, it's just entrepreneurial entrepreneurship like it yeah. comes with these bad things that come from whatever route you go down like you could say oh I want the culture but I could say yeah but when you take on these people you've also got to take on the stress of them and then the day to day yeah. the day to day relationship Everyone with probably them wants an element of what they don't have in it because like exactly bro you know there's probably people watching that I don't know, have a nine to five and, yeah and they're like oh I wish I had the freedom but then I genuinely look at some people I know my brother included who has a nine to five like really good job but mm. like it's different and I'm like fucking jealous sometimes of the ease and not the, jealous yeah. but like, I think that'd be clock nice in, to have like out, yeah. you don't take it home just, yeah, yeah I, that's the hardest thing I think especially working from home which I found I find very hard I'm trying to give myself more time away from a screen to be honest I couldn't do it yeah I couldn't do it because yeah that, that's been the hard it's just a hard thing of working I think everyone that works for themselves can, can relate I mean at least I don't work for my bedroom or anything it's like yeah, a different yeah. room and shit but yeah, yeah. and your so do, girlfriend do you, not work, do you not work well then you oh. don't work well from home uh, well, you've always done it I so mean, clearly you do because you've uh, yeah, scaled yeah I, I do work yeah. well I, just, yeah, I probably work better in a way because that's the thing like, I, I don't have to fucking commute like I would yeah. complain if I had to commute that, then again, so, though, I bought a house that is literally like five minute walk from my house. Yeah, Kelvin, who's from Sheffield but moved to Manchester, he he moved to a street op like opposite the studio. Lola is in a flat opposite the studio. Like we live so close to it that there's only yeah. three or four people that really have a big commute. Like Em's got a big commute; she's on the other side of Manchester in Ashton. Um, but we're still very like we're right next to the train station. It's really easy to get into the studio. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably, if I was gonna, yeah, so you'd have to get somewhere local. Yeah, like I definitely I, see I, myself I see in the future having like a Soho office and I get the tube in. Like, yeah, but it, it's local. But yeah, I quite like the idea of going to an office now. Especially after COVID. I mean, like for the past two years, pretty much everyone, even people that are normally in big offices, have been mm, yeah, yeah, at home. Yeah. I think it's only There's just gone big, back to like big change with that. Has it gone back fully now? I don't know. Like nearly there. Well, it, yeah, it didn't at one at one point, but it has now. Because like yeah. Robin, my girlfriend, she was working from home, and she's mad productive from home. Like I don't know how she does it. I couldn't do it, but she works really, really well from home. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't do that. Yeah. Do you think? <laughs> Speaking about this before, it fucking comes off my pods. Do you think having that long term relationship has helped you? Hundred percent. More. Obviously, you don't know it at the time because you yeah. don't know where you're going to take it and how much you're going to scale. But 100%, like, one thing is with, like, me and Robin is, like, we've grown together. So, like, when I met mm. her, I met her at college. She'd been to an all-girls school. I'd, I'd obviously been to, like, the local high school. So, we didn't have any mutual friends. She was listening to, like, even, like, 1975, I was listening to rap music. Like, we were pretty opposite people. Mm. But, like, over the years, we've, like, I become so entwined, like, together. And, like she is obviously the person that I'm uh, like right the way she went to uni I went to uni we were seeing each other every week like making sure like 
I wouldn't be with someone if I didn't know that it was 100% like here. And I think she brings so much as an entrepreneur to my life because she just makes things calmer, simpler. Like I live with her, like we bought a house together Mm. and like she does so much. Like we've got a dog. I only do the dog walks in the morning. Like it's like all these things where she kind of like builds like a cushion around me to look out for me. And like before that, my mum did it. So it's like, it's you kind of look at it in different ways where it's like, I'm quite lucky that I've got those people around me, but at the same time, you can't really just like expect that. I've, I've just got lucky with Robin. Yeah, do you know what it is? Because I f- f- fucking always bring this shit up, but I think it's f- so relevant. Like I've found, I think it's maybe like, a, a, there's definitely a difference in like central London culture compared to York, where I'm from, or just up north, broadly speaking, mm. of like, I think people settle down later here. in London I don't know if it's a central London thing whatever but like other, yeah. other people have said that to me as well because like I've got mates back home they've got kids like well not many of them to be fair um, like one of my best mates from back home and, and I thought he had a kid early to be fair and whatever but like and like I, I know people from school that have you know quite a lot of people that have like properly settled down like bought houses and so on mm. Whereas in London, I know like nearly no people that are in relationships almost. It's kind of a weird one, but yeah, maybe but that's just... And, it, and it's the culture that it brings though. I don't know, it because I, I've discussed this with my entrepreneurial mates so many times. And well, I, I tell a lie because I was in a relationship, which I'm still not over by the way, mm-hmm. like at all. Um, my mate was in a relationship recently, which ended. So I, I, I'm, but we've debated this and some mates are older, some are younger, whatever, but... I, I mean, there's no right or wrong, is it? I think it comes down to like... There's definitely no right or wrong. The, the debate centered around like, is it better to have a girlfriend or not if you're in the trenches? It, it, it's it's all de- depends on the and person. I, end up, I always the... end up bringing this up because it's fucking therapy for me. For yeah, me. literally. Because <laughs> I've just literally. gone through... I, I do think that with, with London, like, I grew up obviously wanting to do graphic design and always in my head I wanted to move to London. I, I, I love London. Whenever, whenever I come, I love it. I love what it does to me as a person, like the fast-paced life, mm. it works for me. When I lived yeah. in Sheffield, I lived in an apartment in the city centre I try to be as city as I can and where I live now is very built up like I live in Salford so Salford's like it's a weird my area so like you've got one so in M28 like Worsley where I live on one side one mile to your left you've got Little Hulton which is known as like pretty like rough deprived area and like you'll see Mm. a lot of like yeah just just like that's where like the manchester riots and shit were but then on the other side you've got a mile down the road literally a mile sometimes even shorter than that and like fred doan lives there who's like the owner of betfred and he's like the like what in the top 50 uh, richest people in the uk and like i've seen that growing up because i've kind of been in the middle so like i've seen the super wealth i've seen the, mm. the low so i'm very content where i am because i've not got that i'm still a small pit fish in a big pond where i am yeah whereas i think like what, what you're stating in terms of like people living in like more suburban areas i do get that like how people just naturally settle down but what i my personal opinion on london is because the cost of living is so high yeah people have got to go out and grind so you it's one of those people where if you're meeting if you're, you're in the trenches a bird's in the trench in her trenches it's like when do you really get that time to actually like build something together because you're so deep in it that it's like to be here you've got to be quite solo because it's kind of like doggy yeah. dog and you just got to be lucky like you found it do you know what i mean like you found a girl that you wanted to like settle down with and you moved in here with her so it is possible but i think that the likelihood of it is so much less yeah do you think yeah and then 
Yeah, because I mean, I definitely find, I think I was more focused. I don't know, it's weird. I, I've spoken, it's probably just a bad day to ask me. Definitely. Like I've spoken about it on a few pods and I just say how it is because it's just the fucking truth. I'm definitely not over that relationship. So if she's watching, I don't know how you <laughs> feel. Um, but yeah, like I think I said before, I, was, I, I felt distracted having a girlfriend and like now I could focus on my own shit. But but then the flip side of that is you're more distracted single I feel more distracted single yeah. because you feel like yeah, it's, oh, you never win I feel like oh well I yeah. should be out going on dates otherwise yeah I mean yeah yeah. I there's, there's two sides to everything but I think for me if, if it's the right girl which is ultimately the question yeah if it's the right relationship it's what Iman said in episode 14 as well like the level's so fucking true yeah if you're with someone that you know you mutually support each other and it just works it, do, it doesn't feel like effort yeah it doesn't feel toxic in any way yeah which then I think then I think it's the best thing ever like yeah I'm definitely a sucker for I say I'm a sucker for relationships having had one serious one but like Mm. it's definitely a nice thing yeah and I think as well it takes the pressure off going out and meeting new people because I Mm. think when you when that side of your life is you're fully content you can absolutely lock in on work and like I'm so fulfilled by Robin that's what it is yeah so fulfilled by Robin like I don't I don't like I'm not active on Tinder. I'm not active in the DMs. I'm not trying to pursue multiple people because I'm yeah. so locked in on her. And don't get me wrong as well. Like when, when we talk about like settling down and shit, it's just because like Robin was sharing a bedroom with a little sister when she was like 22. So it's like, we are, we, it was a ticking thing. I was working with mum and dad. We've got enough money that we can purchase a house. So oh yeah, it's like, no, I, I think. Yeah, it's like that whole thing of, of like. We'd love to do that. Yeah. I just haven't, yeah. Just finding a person though, innit? Personal yeah. and, time or situation to yeah. do that. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's that's life though, isn't it? That's the whole journey of it. Like, there's some probably people... an element of people. Maybe I thought the grass is greener being single, and I'm single. I think the grass is greener not being single. Yeah, I don't know. But even my issue, like, I've had open. it in the past where I've taken Robin for too too much for granted because I'm so locked in on work that I just expect her to always be there. And like, we have a really close relationship. So like we we see each other a lot. We've not got like a, even when we were both at uni, like we see each other a lot and we talk a lot. But even then, like I've been, I've been like very selfish because that's just what you do as an entrepreneur. Like you're so locked in on something and there's so much stress and there's so much risk that you don't want to think of anything else other than that. So yeah. she's constantly at me for being on my phone too much, not giving her enough time and stuff. And that's just the whole balancing yeah. act of like being in a relationship or not. So stressed last year and yeah like looking back now can't be good for her in it can't be good. i do like, regret giving, a lot of that you're not giving your all to someone when you're in that mindset i've been in that mindset before yeah it wasn't even that you're like, a different I, person. Just element, I was a bit of a cunt sometimes because i was so stressed and i don't think i was honest with her about how stressed i actually was yeah which is also probably eating you up inside which yeah. is then making you even, oh, even now it fucking eats me up a bit because i think oh yeah. christ like, yeah geez but you've got yeah. a lot of working out to do by the sounds of it we've got a lot of thought thinking to do and a lot of uh oh, yeah definitely i, I mean, think communication with that shit though what I, from speaking to you about it, i think genuinely like the but the most you're going to get about it is communicating and then coming away and thinking about it further because it, it's you've, yeah yeah i mean I, I don't know what i'm getting at really i'm just fucking being honest like it is quite confusing especially when you live somewhere that you used to live with someone else and it's like yeah and got the dog as well yeah. Yeah, but there's like a constant reminder of my relationship. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. We'll see. I don't know if it's right for either of us. But yeah, I think one thing, one main thing is though, you've got a lot to fucking think about. Like you're in the trenches on a business, which is that like at the pinnacle of something so special, and then you've also got this, which is 
like think how quick this has taken off and got legs like as soon as i watched that first one watched what like i locked in it came at a sick time actually because mm. i was working on orders because of christmas and i was literally painting just listening it felt like the good old days when i was in my uni flat just listening to podcasts of conversations and shit yeah. i love this pod yeah I, th I think this pod has started to build an audience because i'm just so honest about everything and yeah, like this is a classic case of like, I really enjoy working on it. So that's why it's been so easy to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously therapy for me. Yeah. Not just speaking about girls, but speaking about everything. Yeah. Um, and it's like what we said, the, the main thing as well is that you're doing a, a business related podcast, but because you have taken it to levels, you can ask the right questions and actually like understand what that means and stuff like that, that that I think that's why this, this pod's so special because not only have you got a sick story, but you bring out good stories and you have sick guests. So it's like that whole thing of like, sorry. I'll, I'll take it. No, that, that, that's the idea. But, but, but also the, the reason I fucking bring up like, like family, girls, mental health quite a lot is because I think especially as an entrepreneur, but, but in life, like <coughs> that is, that affects like the business performance and I've learned that the hard way and the good way but when it's yeah. been up and down and vice versa and it isn't just I don't think it's as black and white as you fucking go to work you know you, you work on your business and like it's a I've been in my really. head all week about fucking what we were speaking about before and mm. it's taken me off the business yeah. and it wasn't that wasn't the case for two weeks prior Yeah, I was laser locked and I'm thinking oh fuck because <laughs> I, I also go through phases and I'm sure everyone does of being like I don't know I'll have like a few weeks like with girlfriend before and now single when I'm just like fucking like I feel like David Goggins or some shit like I'm smashing the gym I'm like fully motivated I'm in a great week then I don't know what it is like literally this week I've just felt fucking off off, off it bro that is literally how it works though and it? I just like, haven't yeah. I felt like super so it, fucking anxious about everything yeah. I haven't been sleeping properly bro that is I think the month says a lot as well though like even though I've been smashing the gym, like it's just, even though like this new business is going exactly where I want it to go in terms of like three months ago to now, it's like, mm. fuck, I'm not getting down about other shit. And like, I'm getting deep now, but I compare, do you ever look back like a year ago? I was yeah, like in your photos, yeah. but also just like, and then it yeah. makes you think. Cause like a year ago, almost to the day, it was like the worst week of my life. It like, entrepreneurially it was when like Neon was crashing down I was getting literal hate messages on WhatsApp like mm. hundreds of death threats it was fucked anyway so like, I'm way I look back at that and think fuck well at least I got through that like I'm in a much better position like financially yeah. and business wise yeah. and like le lack of stress wise but it's almost like fuck there's there's I haven't got that much stress in business right now because obviously like pre-revenue as well like, I'm sure there's more stress when I start scaling up but mm. Now I feel like my mind's trying to make problems that don't even exist with like my ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's one question that I had for you. So like in terms of like financials, I, I've had some like really, really good years and I've always been financially very like frugal and sound. So like I like, I know how to invest, invest my money and I know how to work my I'm, personal I finances. I definitely haven't been frugal in the past. Well, this is what I mean. So like we're polar opposites in terms of how we like, of like managed money and stuff. And did you get, did you leave Neon Beach because of like the the, pro, the the how the project turned turned out into the, in terms of the um, salary, did that leave you so in a position? Saying, it don't matter. I just just hear the buzzing. Um, did that leave you in in like terms financially quite sound? Like, are you living in London? Got this flat? Okay to be pre rev? 
Oh, 100% now, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I was just stressed last year because I didn't didn't know what, what the fuck was going to happen because the business went... I think I mentioned this in the first part, but I'll say it again briefly. Like The business literally went from having like 2 million quid in the bank in, in the business account, which I don't think I said before, but just full transparency, which by the way, I had like Amex debt and shit. Yeah, yeah, of course it's not. Whatever, like, yeah. but fucking, I was pretty caked. Like I thought I'm a G, like, do you know what I mean? I was getting a bit ahead of myself and I'll be the first to say that looking back, like I had a Ferrari and a Range Rover in the garage. And, like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not saying that to glow. I'm saying that because no, no. looking back yeah. now, I, I honestly feel like, such a tick a like lot, yeah bro. I could afford it but it's just the mindset was different I don't know what it was and I, I was going through a weird phase that like, I really was like it was a give me more give me more like I don't know what it was even yeah, I, in I probably needed like, humbling in a lot of respects if I'm honest yeah but even, even though I'd oh, made it all myself and I grinded and I built shit like I don't know looking back as a character then like I'm definitely not proud of how I portray myself in certain ways I think it says a lot about you as a and risk taker and like how you was able to, you, you take risks like you've got that like cutting edge where it's like, I want that, I'll do that. Let's go move on to the next, move on to the next. Mm. And like, I find that I'm super, super anxious financially. Even when like now I'm like, if I, if I'd have known that I would have left uni and be in the position that I am now, I'd be fucking XSS, like so happy yeah. with myself. Yeah. But what I've also realized is that like you buy a house, you, you like, I, 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 yeah, I've, I've spent, spent money. And um, what, what you then find is like, if you've not got passive income, this project or whatever project you're working on at, at the time, if that goes to zero, where does it leave you? Because I'm so conscious now that like, because of everything that I've been through, I'm unemployable in my eyes. I never want to ever work for anyone. And being 24 yeah. and having that mindset is really fucking scary because it's like, I don't want That's to- That's so interesting. Yeah, and so I'd look at you and be like, I don't think have you, have you got a property portfolio? Have you no. got like a big a big stock portfolio? It's like, it scares me because I'm like, bro, I could never like spend- That's such an interesting point. Yeah. I thought me, the, the second half of this pod's good um, <laughs> because you just got me thinking about so many things. Yeah. It's sick though, because it and shows the yin and yang, like yeah, you're I mean, the scaler who, who will take them to that. 100 so, mil. Uh, yeah, I mentioned obviously the, the, the neon situation, yeah, it crashed out, it got bailed out by a private equity fund, which by the way was a massive learning experience in itself. Yeah. They bought 80% of the business, put me on a fat salary for six months and then I sold the rest of my shares. That's what happened. So yeah, I ended up quite all right given the situation. But you know, if, you, if you'd have said that's what I was going to make a year prior, I'd have fucking laughed and spat on the floor and said, yeah. like, I th honestly thought, because th something I didn't mention, I think, with Neon, just quickly before I go on to my point, is about a month before shit went tits up, I'd been approached by this big private equity firm in Miami. Like, they came over to me and I was like, fuck, right, this is how you make 20 million quid. Oh, okay. And they were interested in potentially buying me out or, the it limited like, company that housed the two co the two companies. Yeah, so they were really interested in Neon and I, and I started seeing pound signs thinking, all right, fuck me, give me six months, we'll do a deal and I'll be set for life. Like that was honestly what I thought. Mm. Anyway, so that didn't happen because all that happened and shit. But it's funny you're saying you're like worried about shit, like or maybe like more, more frugal. Mm. Because for me, I think, do you know where it comes from? I thought about this. It comes from when I go into the dropshipping space, I was doing like, 500k plus a month when I was like 22 granted it was like short term and stuff but but it always put me in the mindset of like that scale is possible yeah so then when I went into like even with Midnight which was like a proper brand and shit 
like first year did a million quid because I thought if I do anything less than that it's a joke and I like I applied the same mentality and then with Neon it was kind of even more yeah it's almost like a I don't want to say like law of attraction shit but you know in terms of like your your like kind of threshold and what you expect is so high that you almost just go straight to it and because you've got that mindset you then spend like that as well yeah I mean what I will say though is because and I said it before but like especially in like the early dropshipping days where looking back, I probably didn't realize how good it was at the time in terms of like Facebook was so cheap. Like it was like unusually profitable back mm. then. And then, yeah, like if, you know, I was 22 with a lot of money in the bank and I didn't, did not spend it wisely. Yeah. Like you didn't invest it properties that will now Nothing. pay you like, back. I think in. I mentioned this in the end of episode 20. Yeah. Like I just didn't have the advice. I'm like, yeah. I don't know, like who's going to give it to me? Well, this is what my I, account wasn't going to give it to me because no, so I, I found everything that I suit. know. I found out through YouTube, Google, yeah. everything. So like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you feel long term now? Though, do you think when you get to that stage again, which you are going to? Do you know what? Like, I don't even. I genuinely like. I don't worry about. Yeah, you know, if this business goes wrong, I, I, I like. I haven't invested in property. I literally think I'm going to make, you know, 50 yeah, million quid from an exit. Yeah. Because like, even if this next one went wrong, which I don't think it would go as wrong, but even if it don't go as big, like I've said it before, like you, you can't lose the experience and like, yeah, the obviously like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be fucking in the trenches so much when I'm 40. Mm. Like, I, you know, the, the plan has always been, set for life by 30 whatever that is you know it's probably 10 million plus mm. in my mind probably less actually but nicely set for life so it's like I don't know like I'm not scared to start from zero because now as well if, if I had to because like there's so much opportunity and like money and like private markets and shit I don't know like yeah. the fact you're saying yeah. I'm unemployable I, I wouldn't even cross my mind ever to go and get a nine to five, yeah. I would on, I would actually rather die. But then, because you've that. had such a like a, a taste it's of not life, for me. yeah. What do you do though when you've got less less money? Like, if you were to then spend it all and go proper dolo, yeah. I mean, well, do you know what I mean? I did, like, I, I, I have intentionally like well, I cut back on shit in like the past year. I mean, like, still living six. Yeah, nat- naturally you will I mean, do though, won't you? I guess yeah. the only biggest difference really is I got rid of the cars. Yeah. But I don't really miss that to be honest. I was never driving in central London. So yeah, there's yeah. not been any drastic change in that respect, to be honest. Yeah. It's probably just now, like I said, in episode 22, I'm getting good with these episodes. I mentioned to Alex, who's actually made it an, a proper wedge. Um, I probably just respect money more a bit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm, but I think that makes it more, like I want to scale more, but I, I'd probably just you know, I'd be on top of every penny a bit more. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've grown up I'd in a household that were very... Rather than like plastered together, it's probably what i say. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I've grown up in a household which has been very money paranoid and like I'm a lot more like bullish and a lot more of a risk taker than my mum and dad. Mm. But they've also taught me like, it's not what you earn, it's how you spend it. And obviously I've got to the stage where I know NBC, can't re- I can't really get an exit out of that because it's kind of like, it's not like a Stella McCartney where obviously it's it's person and name led, but at the same time, it's, it's still very trend orientated and obviously we can mm. move with the trends, but at the same time, I kind of know that in the back of my head. So I know like long-term, I've got to kind of keep leveling up and, 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 and elevating. But at the same time, I know that 
the assets that I've got, the overheads that I've got, everything that I, I own is still not enough where I've got a passive income that'll cover it, everything. So like, I've still but not built my family. does that matter if you enjoy the everyday? Like, 100% I think it does. You 100%. think it does though? Yeah, because like, I, I'm at my- about something that will never really affect you. So I'm at my very, very cr most creative when I'm not chasing the bag and I'm like thinking purely creative. Mm. So if I have my foundation set where I know like that, those seven houses, my portfolio brings in this, my, my um, passive income from my stock portfolio brings in this. And I know I've, I've set set it so my, my, my um, outgoings are pretty much covered. Imagine that what that does to you in terms of like your, your growth mentally that you've- But I actually think a little bit on the flip side, and I don't think that there's a right or wrong. Like mm. My mentality has always been go all in on trying to make like 20 million yeah, by 30. Yeah. I love know, that like, though. Like big money because yeah. then you can put that in at 5% in anything no, and you set for life on a million a year. Like, we're not talking like five grand a month. Right? No, I, I, I love that. And like my argument potentially, maybe it's probably not right. I'm not definitely the, the, the right guy to give advice on all this, but like surely if you're, you or one person is, you know, like in the back of their mind, they're always saying, oh, I can't push this quite hard enough because I need to make sure this is covered. It, it, it's not Whereas necessarily actually, if you went laser focused, like yes. fucking God, God mode for like three years, yeah, to get it to you know an exit where you can make millions, yeah, liquid, so, and then then you are set for life. No so what. I I love that, and that's where sometimes I think like right, shit, I'm in the wrong industry because I know I'm not going to have that yet, and I know long term that's where I, I think go. You could as well though. Do you think? I think you're thinking about it. Yeah. But what one thing I would say though is I'm not thinking like frugal. Like I travel a lot. Like I, I need. My, I was losing my hair at 22. Fucking my, my shit was looking I so my bad. Hair so I got, today, got so a I'm hair nervous. transplant. Like if I need this to spend the dough, I'll spend the dough. And like it's not that like I'm too frugal that I don't live a good life. Like mm. I, I do live a good life. Yeah. But what I would say is like. Yeah, it's, it's not what you earn, it's how you spend it. And like, yeah, I, I could go and absolutely flash out and get something mad, like a mad whip like that. But yeah, at the same time- the first thing I ever did. I know, and, and bro, I, I can't wait for that Stupid day, but, but I feel fun. like I'm just, I need to have my foundation set before I fully go and do that. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it is a paranoid mindset. And you could say- no, I definitely see pros and cons yeah, of both. So yeah. I definitely, yeah. But I think living here is fucking mentally wise, so sick because you are like, surrounded by people that are of that same mindset whereas yeah. I've got a lot of people around me that aren't of that kind of mindset so you've kind of got to have your network that mm. is that is kind of you're having the conversations like what we're having now yeah and then you've got other like you you because I've got a lot of childhood friends like Ali um who's like who's an entrepreneur who's got sick business sick business always been creative like we bounce ideas off all the time so I've got people that I've grown up with that are in that mindset and do that but then I've had to go and find my network of, of people outside of where I live because mm. of kind of you, you you get like this like you, you can't have this sort of conversation with someone who's never done it because they don't understand the upset they don't understand the the issues you, that you might be going through yeah. and not only that when you're in like a relatively good situation you also don't really want to talk about it that much because like what good is that doing if they're then not in a situation that you're in that you don't you don't want to have that kind of relationship so you end up not speaking about it and then it's like you've got to lean on your girlfriend you've got to lean on like mum but for me it was like my mum yeah so I had to go out and find that network whereas I think for you bro it's fucking sick being here like yeah i mean yeah I, I, that was i've very intentionally found that over the years though as well but and now it's just led me to being here but yeah i do yeah. agree completely yeah completely. yeah but yeah i think yeah i think it's all uh it's all relative it's all whatever path you take i feel like yeah, all, sure. all this everything we've spoken about has been like kind of like we've had these little crosshairs where it's like right yeah both paths are kind of lead you to one or another 
Yeah, very yeah. true, very true. Right, I want to wrap things up briefly. Yeah. Um, we could probably go for fucking three hours, but people get bored. It's good shit. Yeah, the second half of this is definitely a banger. Um, I can't ask you this before, but like, where do you see it going then? Like, if you had to say like five years, what is the vision? Is, is it clear? Do you have a clear vision for that sort of time period? Yeah, yeah. So I think and what we spoke it? about earlier in terms of uh, the shoe, like mm. a separate brand that yeah. can be scaled, sold. I think also like what we're doing now in terms of brands, those projects are only getting bigger. So that God knows where that'll take us. Potentially working with Nike and other brands directly. Like we've worked with them all on small projects, but like we can take it further than that. Obviously with the NFT shit, you've got royalties, you've got all these things that can really build out like long-term wealth outside of just your one bit of creativity. Because mm. I think at the moment, our issue is that we create something that takes time to earn money. Whereas like the luxury for like what you, when you scale yeah. it is that, like obviously I don't have to make orders anymore. So I've kind of done that in, in my team, but at the same time, I've not fully been able to take it there. So continue with that, continue like pushing that obviously make the shoe and then just see where where, where else extra I think um, yeah there's still loads to do I think it's more just a case of like the team that we've got now like people like Kelvin like I met Kelvin in my final year at uni he was working at Sports Direct um, in the uh, like graphic design team he um, came into my uni course but was able to join the final year because he's done like a foundation degree he's mm. quite a bit older than me he's, uh, so like he'd been in industry anyway hit it off worked on loads of projects together in the final year he ended up moving to Manchester to come and work full time for NBC and he's taken us to a next level in terms of visuals so he does all our videography and stuff like that and I think that now is where we want to go I want take it into more of because we have got something so special with the team i want to kind of um uh, yeah i want to monetize that i want to i want to bring in those yeah. people and that also that will trickle down to them as well in terms of being like the, the the part of the NBC team and people wanting to watch that of watch we get watch what we get up to so yeah, yeah. we've spoken Agreed. about vlogs we've spoken about stuff like that and that that will all build out the brand um, and then yeah just continue to take on really high level like young creatives and just see where we can take it and and yeah might be having this conversation in a year's time where it's in a completely different landscape but yeah I'm yeah I'm, for sure I'm happy so, where it's going it's just obviously months like this where the e-com side takes an absolute drop and you're just like shit your pants all of a sudden but we're January good. shit for everyone let's yeah, be honest yeah but we run the company sound in the like in it's a shit man yeah fully fully but yeah. with the help of mum we run the company sound so we're, we're nowhere near any financial issues we, we, yeah. we run it sound and yeah, so I think it's just more of a case of uh, making sure that everyone just builds with us, like everyone that's working in the team, making sure that we're taking on good people and just see where see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. Never, no, no thoughts to have physical stores. Right. Uh, yeah, even yeah. when the shoe thing pops off the shoe brand, I, I'm not game for that. I just think like when I look at it, the overheads that it brings in compared to the actual like I could have a, a, a invest in a bigger studio that would have more benefit to the people that are working in the company than the people experiencing it and I think what we'll do from that is just pop up so you know like how represent do where they'll yeah. have like small little events that kind of have almost like activations you know where they've got a little bit of a culture element to them as well as just coming and purchasing shit yeah yeah definitely alright yeah. last question which I've started asking everyone one bit of advice for yourself looking back if well three bits of advice it generally tends to be one long answer mm. three bits of advice for yourself when you started yeah. based on what you know now what would it be don't go to uni full stop don't go oh, in the first one. year so I'd say don't do that because I think it's going to save a lot of time mm. and you can go you can go and see your mates on a weekend like go live in their gaff yeah. and, and party on the weekends so I'd say that I'd say 
continue to not scale uh, like too aggressively because I think now looking back at it, it's worked well. Yeah. Um, and I think as well uh, to have made earlier plays like this shoe earlier, but obviously we're here now and um, I was just too deep in the business at the time to have other projects going on. Like I said at the start, I'm not very good at having multiple projects all at once. I ended up not doing one thing well enough. So mm. yeah. And then, um, yeah, retire my mum and dad and we'll be cushy. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Sick. Right. Well, I enjoyed that. It's definitely therapeutic as usual, um, particularly certain parts. Yeah, if you're enjoying the pod, drop, drop a sub, recommend it to a friend. Um, and yeah, just fucking stick around because we got episodes every week and hopefully it's remaining interesting and getting better every time. I think we need an L-shaped sofa, by the way, for those that are watching. It's, kind of, it's always, I get neck pains doing these fucking pods. <laughs> I'm comfy here, but yeah. Whereas like, yeah, an L-shape would be good. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. See you in the next episode. Cheers for watching. Peace. Mm-hmm.